Oh, let's see. That's him right now. Joey. Did it go? It go. Okay, oh, got we got it. all three of us now. Yes. yes. All right, no echo? <laughs> no. The awesomeness no. may commence. Yeah, this is good. This is good. So are we recording now? We are. Yep. Th- this is exciting. Hey, Bo, can I try and list off your uh, video accomplishments off the top of my head? Sure. Uh, okay. Transcend. Forest oh. fire. Concentration. Closer. And respect. Close. You missed, missed a couple. Did I? Can I give give me some hints? <laughs> um, you missed a razors video, I believe. There was two razors video. Yeah. Yeah. Uncloned. Yes. Oh, how f- could I fucking forget uncloned? Yeah. Um, and then I'm missing one more. You know what? I just I did a a little thing for B Mag, and I listed all off for him. I even I can't remember all the time here. <laughs> the, uh, well, you haven't really had a misstep. Like when I list off all of all of those videos, those were all videos that we watched quite a bit. Like I can't or closer. We didn't actually get that video until later, but that was that was really good too. Do you have that, a? I uh, really enjoyed doing that one. That was a fun one. Closer. <clears throat> um, Todd. Yes. I'll be color commentator again. Okay. But um, is there anything – there's one thing off the top that we should just launch right into, I think. What do you want to launch into? The um, the older blading. Bo. Yes. Let's talk about older blading. Just start. Okay. Let's do it. Well, uh, well, you guys were kind of concerned with the name, right? Yeah. I think it was just <clears throat> anytime old gets attached to something. But this is your forum and you can speak. Well, I, I just kind of thought that, you know, when I was doing it, it was like a joke. You know what I mean? It was just like we're older and we're blading. It's not like we're old. We're just older. I don't know. <clears throat> you guys kind of took it a little bit negatively, I think. But I kind of saw it as fun and, and kind of, you know, just a little more real. You know, we're all older. We all have a lot more to do now. Jobs and, you know, significant others. And some have kids and dogs and whatever you know <clears throat> but uh yeah we're still trying still you know out there skating so i don't know it's just just pin a negative on it which is kind of like uh i was like no it's not negative at all you know it's positive <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess i guess for me i read i read the word older and i just i just read that as a negative and it kind of brought me into the edit let me give you a little, let me give you a little context there okay because We've all kind of had this beef, you know, with uh, certain companies I won't bring up. But some people, they just kind of bring in the hot new item, you know, the young kids. And they kind of, you know, have them through the, you know, prime of their career. And then they just kind of dump them off, you know, when they get about like 22, 23. And they actually, you know, start to want more. Then they have to move on and do something else, you know, usually find some other career. Which that could be a natural, you know, transition, but... I think, you know, in other industries, it's not really like that. You know, when you see, like, you know, a lot older skaters and they're still competing and they're still, you know, I mean, you just watch X Games and a lot of those BMX athletes, like, you know, I think uh, some of them are, like, in their 40s or close to it. So it's just, like, 
I don't know. It's kind of weird to me. And so that was kind of like a negative stigma that was like kind of hanging around the backside of the industry. Everyone's just kind of like, what the fuck, you know, or just cause we're older, we're getting dropped off here. We're not like priority anymore for some reason. Cause we're not hitting like 900 to whatever, you know, type of thing. But well, I totally, true. I totally feel the same way. I think, I think older bladers have things to offer that younger bladers don't. And I, I do think it's a really bad thing that, that the older bladers aren't aren't as celebrated as the younger bladers because let's face it like when you have like 20 plus years experience on rollerblades you're going to be able to do things in a way that the younger bladers just can't do it's like and but it's different it's on a different level and i think as a culture we'd benefit from like starting to appreciate that a lot more i loved the older bladers edit thank you um i'm i'm really sorry if it came off negative um I really, no, I, it was really awesome to see a lot of those guys like skating again, and and yeah. obviously the way it was put together was really awesome. My only gripe was just like the the name Older Bladers, I, and it was a part of like me loving it so much and me loving like all, seeing all those guys so no, much, I, and I, then I and then pairing that up with a negative title, for me it it was like, it was like yeah you're it's true they are older older than what you typically see in in videos, but. These guys, these guys are, they, they, they should be, they should be like pros. They should be like the stars of our sport, you know? Now the Wizards, you know, I like where you went with it. You know, I was feeling that. I was just like, you just kind of misinterpreted it a little bit. And it it just kind of like put me off and I was like, okay, but then you guys kind of, you, you know, you went on, you went with it, you know? And I was just kind of like each little reference to it, I was like, kind of like, oh, come on, you know, like just <laughs> maybe want to like jump on the phone with you right then. But the, you know, it's just kind of. I don't know. It was kind of a sarcastic kind of a tone, you know, like just kind of like, yeah, we're old, older, quote unquote, you know what I mean? And and so I can kind of see why you could take it that way. So it, it kind of, I don't know. It's, it's something for, I don't know, the older guys like in the video, like kind of understand, you know, it's kind of like an inside joke kind of a thing. I don't know. I guess you could say, you know, yep. <clears throat> I don't know. Um, the edit really just, kind of blew my mind how like everyone came together and just like like Alex Miranda was like the first guy to put up clips and uh they were really sick and yeah, um, his clips were amazing yeah I mean he's really like in his prime right now really I mean his style is like refined and he's just like really on point and steezy with all his shit and yeah. you know he cares a lot you know he really cares a lot and it shows and so I don't know did, I was, you, did you film a lot of those tricks not really. Uh, they were. I mean, they were. A lot of them were sent to you. Well, I filmed like. Yeah, I filmed a lot of stuff. I guess when I think about it, and then like all the Gene Galang stuff, I filmed. Um, most of Robert's stuff. Louis filmed a bunch of stuff. Uh, I mean, there's like a list of like 20 people that filmed. Like I, the guys in Australia, you know, all the wives out there holding cameras. <laughs> yeah. And like cell phones on on tripods and shit and like i don't know chris edwards had his skateboard buddy filming him and uh you know just everybody was just kind of pulling whatever resources they could find and and it was just like a, a domino effect like you know like a you know a snowball effect rather well like a couple people put up a couple clips and then a couple guys commented you know and <clears throat> alex came in and and kind of said like oh well uh I'm going to pull my clips out of there if you guys aren't getting serious about this. And I was, you know, kind of like, 
get the fire burning and then everyone just like, okay, okay. You know? And then like, we kept like having these deadlines and I kind of created a deadline knowing I was going to go over it, you know? And we made like three different deadlines and I was still accepting footage like three or four weeks after the last deadline. So like one of those clips and there are two of those clips is like one day old when the video dropped. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just kind of how it works. It's like a dynamic process. You got like, a soundtrack that you kind of loosely figure out and then you got to kind of fill it, you know, and it's got to hit. So if, you know, some people's footage, you know, they got mad. I didn't use a lot of stuff, but you know, I, I'm just kind of letting the, the edit kind of develop naturally. And I don't, I try not to, you know, force stuff onto it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, yeah. like if I'm not feeling it, then I just kind of move on to the next thing. And I try not to get too attached to stuff, but well, it really shows. I mean, all your videos are just um, – there's not a lot of what I would, I guess, call filler. There's, it's just everything – there's a feeling to it. There's a it, – it, like all the clips that you choose are really good. And it's and, – and, and you're an older editor too. Yeah, I, I, I was like – I started <laughs> on 17. I'm like 32 now. So I've had a lot of time editing, but – I mean, at first, I didn't really have a system. I mean, it was so expensive. You had to have, like, you know, 30 grand a drop. You know, it was like Media 100, and then you had to buy a Mac system plus a Media 100. You know, you're looking like 40 grand. Groove Productions had one day pain, and we're filming uh, stuff like, you know, that's when, like, Hi8 was, you know, the technology, and digital was just, like, around the corner. We're just all contributing clips to VG, and we we're lucky because we're down here in San Diego, and VG was just right there in Orange County. So, you know, inevitably we met Dave Payne and all them. I started going up there and started doing stuff with him. He started showing me how to edit, and I learned Media 100 from him. And then Eric Shrine's dad uh, bought one. He just liked to splurge by on stuff all the time. Yeah. But yeah, he bought one, and I think they got it for like seven grand or something, which was like a pretty killer deal. And then was editing on that for a long time. Me and Eric had a little company together and, and we had it over at my house and or, or had it at his house after that too. But yeah, then we kind of split up and then I hit the final cut stuff and I've been on that ever since. So yeah, I think that was about like 2004 or something. So nice. So what, what was your first video that you made? Was it transcend? Transcend was the first, yeah, real video, like full on, like, for daily bread yeah. i've been like kind of hanging out down there because they're in san diego and I, I met them you know angie over the years and just kind of hung out there they had a ramp and shit and it was like 20 minutes from my house so i could cruise down there and keith wilson you know was a good friend of mine and he's like heavily into the photography and he's like trying to you know make a name for himself in that aspect and so he always wanted to go down there and <clears throat> he was doing a lot of work with them and I just kind of was hanging out and started inputting more and hanging out with Angie and just kind of on her shoulder, just kind of like telling her about how I want to do a video all the time. And, and then it was like right around when the XL one was coming out, she was like, I was like really like talking about it a lot. And one night she was just like, yeah, just go get that camera. Let's just do this shit. And I was like, okay, you know, like super. And uh, then she put me on and started paying me a uh, pretty good salary for that age for sure. And uh, we made transcend, uh, was like 97, 98, I think, or no, 90, yeah, 97, 98. So yeah, I was 17, 18. And then, uh, yeah, that premiere was crazy. Like we had this, this theater in, uh, San Diego in this kind of central neighborhood 
uh, Kensington. It was the Ken Theater. And uh, it was just, you know, full of people and, and everybody, like, was going crazy for the video. We had a sick after party at Angie's Loft, uh, downtown San Diego. And, yeah, it was just, it was a great time, man. I was really, like, overwhelmed with the response from everybody, like, after they had, uh, you know, seen the video and, like, it had gone out and kind of circled around. Like, you know, a lot of people I respect a lot, like, had really positive things to say, you know, like Brooke Howard Smith and, and a few other people. <clears throat> actually kind of had beef with so it was like kind of nice to hear like positive words when we were kind of beefing over shit like it was like a split between this and asa and we disagreed on that and uh but yeah and then forest fire was the next one with uh daily bread and that was basically the same process but things started to change and once forest fire came out um with daily bread, like they wanted me to do more videos and more videos and, and for less money. So I kind of just couldn't come to terms. I should have come to terms, you know, with that, I think, but, um, I should have stood my ground, you know, a little bit harder. Maybe I would have gotten something out of that a little. And so just walking away from it, but I took real offense to it and then just took off. And then me and, uh, Eric Shrine did concentration and, uh, during that same time, we did a, a hoedown video for uh, the Eisenberg Skate Park. And uh, that was kind of a trip because that was in October. That was after uh, the 9-11 attacks. And we, you know, it was just like super scary to fly. <laughs> that was, it was a trip. Like, you know, it's kind of funny. Like, you don't really think about it. But, I mean, so close to that, I mean, we were like, it was right after ASR when that happened and, and like Tom Heiser and, and his wife and like a bunch of people were at my house. We had a big party at my house. It was like Escondido IMYTA. It was just like crazy. We had like, you know, ridiculous amount of people at my house <clears throat> and we were just all like kind of vibing, waking up. Everyone's like, okay, we got to get ready to like take a head back home, you know, from ASR. And we just all watched that shit together. We we're just all stunned, man. And just kind of, you know, it is pretty hard. And then, uh, I mean, everybody, you know, regardless, but, uh, yeah. So flying in October was a trip and, uh, but that video turned out pretty sick. Uh, I'm really stoked on it. And I got it on VHS here. I'm going to try and get it online. It's, it's pretty much been off the radar for a long time. So cool. Yeah. Rob, he does a lot of sick shit in there. But yeah. What, you guys got any questions or what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have plenty I just wanted to comment that how uh, awesome a video, a video Transcend was for your first video. Yeah. Um, to come out that bold, I remember the thing that Brooke Howard Smith said, and then I think in a Daily Bread editorial or something, it was the first video that uh, rollerblading looked really strong. I don't even know. I think it was something along the lines of like it looked strong and scary. And <clears throat> to relate that to you had a profile in Daily Bread, and is that still – your goal when you make uh, uh, rollerblading videos is that you wanted to make it, I think you said, look as scary as possible or dangerous. Uh, yeah, I was kind of, uh, you know, sure <laughs> and like a little bit like overly hyped on on it, I, I think. But yeah, it was like a cinematic. I wanted to make it cinematic, dramatic, as I think is the word I use, like dramatic. And uh, just because it's drama, man, you know, it's like someone's doing something crazy i mean some guys don't they choose not to like you know subscribe to it and they just have a blank mind and they can just 
produce. But some guys really have to go to war with themselves, you know, to get themselves to do this shit. And I don't know. I just kind of, I've always wanted to represent that, you know, because that's something that I've always admired about skating is like, you know, like the Feinberg type dudes that like they do shit and they're just like, how in your right mind could you do that? You know, like that is like certain death if you fuck up, you know? And uh, I can think of so many things that Feinberg's done. That's just like, dude, if you just did this one thing wrong, you know, he's just ninja with it. You know, he just focuses and does it. And, uh, I don't know. That's just kind of the thing, like to try to be true to that. That's like, you know, it's serious when, you know, it's, it's like war, you know, and that's kind of dramatic. And I think that that has like more of a relation to like a movie, you know, where it's like emotional and it's, and it's got like intense music and it's actually accentuating like everything that's happening, you know, like the takeoff and the landing and the, you know, the style point and, you know, whatever. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how I, I've just always been a movie buff since I was a little kid and, you know, always loved action movies. Yeah. You, uh, you definitely had an eye and a, and a feel for it and a vision. And Todd and I were talking on, I think it was the last podcast or Todd said how many bad videos people made that tried, they tried to replicate your style, the like show. the the really serious, dramatic style of skate video. There were so many bad videos that came out. People yeah. just couldn't replicate it. <laughs> well, we made we made Illusion. I think Illusion was a direct, like, yeah. tr- our attempt at copying Transcend. That's basically what it was. We're, we wanted yeah. to make a, a really serious, dark video. But we really sucked. <laughs> <laughs> we even called, like, the slow zoom, I would call it the Transcend zoom. Or the, the bow zoom, if it would be like... Uh, you really perfected that, I think, in uh, Closer. There's a lot of really nice slow zoom stuff that you did. The camera where the person I... enters the frame and it, as it's slowly zooming and, and exits. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. influenced a lot of our videos growing up. And black and white, man. How many people made black and white videos after Transcend came out? That was a statement I, I always forget about like that last clip at the very end <laughs> that Latimer like um, easy 60 into the bank on that little bank to rail thing which is a classic spot in Esco but uh yeah that that black and white thing was kind of a bite from zero Jamie Thomas you know because he did his video in black and white and it was just like he did it in true black and white though mine mine was gray because of uh, media 100 and I was just kind of disappointed i couldn't push the levels like i wanted to but i don't know it's hard when you're processing a lot of video with an old school computer you gotta have to compromise sometimes i mean on little things like that but back then (laughs) yeah what do you think of um the do you work with dslrs yeah i have a a a canon 60d uh, dslr and and it's fun man i mean it has its features i shoot photos with it a lot yeah but yeah, you know, I've never been really fond of just like a static prime lens for video, you know, unless I've always been just like wide angle or telephoto. I like to zoom and pan and that's kind of like my strength. So I like to play to my strengths and I have like a, a XHA1, which is HDB, which is kind of a pitfall there, but that's what I use. But the zoom on it is so good. 
Yeah, it's heavier, you know, a little bit, and but not too heavy. Like the Sony's are way heavier. Like I've used a EX1 uh, a couple years ago, and that thing was just killing my arm. I was in uh, Portugal filming a six-day race, and we were getting up at like five in the morning and filming until three in the afternoon, and then editing until you know, just getting all our clips imported and doing all that stuff until dinner time, and then. We we're editing another clip. My buddy was editing to like five in the morning, and then and it was just crazy for six days in a row. <clears throat> oh, HDV but, would be a nightmare for that. I'd so using that EX1, but I almost prefer the, the HDV because it was like ten pound difference, probably for the pretty much the same image quality. But yeah, I want to get the new Canon, but it's like seventy five hundred bucks or something like that, and then when you're paying that kind of money. You don't really, I mean. It's still like 720p 60, and it's kind of like uh, I yeah. don't know if that's going to cut it for that price. So, yeah, I'm a GoPro fan, and you guys, I know, I know, <laughs> audio quality of the GoPro, but yeah, I'm a huge GoPro fan, and uh, uh, they've kind of set the bar a little weird uh, for technology now because they provide such a, an awesome image quality for such a low price. You know, the relative image quality for the cost is pretty ridiculous. So. Especially now they got a new uh, uh, ProTune application or something coming out where you can shoot at like uh, triple or almost four times the bit rate. So it's like much, almost like a DSLR. So pretty crazy. It's a good tool for a, for a low budget skate rig for sure with the LCD screen. Get Definitely. External, of course, so you can get the good skate sound and it'll sound great, you know. So. Oh, you're talking about getting get a separate mic for it? Yeah, they have um, a skeleton case thing that has you can just plug in like a mic uh, on the Hero Two has a, a mic input. So, Hero filmers out there, get yeah. a good microphone. Shit, it's it's three hundred bucks, man. You know, and and most other cameras, you got to get that. Then you got to find some aftermarket half-ass wide-angle lens for it. You know, whatever, like some crazy, you know, PVC pipe square stabilizer deal you know it's like for that price point it's kind of hard to beat yeah so like like me a little bit there you have a, a tech nerd side on for video a little bit major like door you, you've always been into the tech side but you're also really talented at making stuff How, what do you think about uh recent rollerblading videos like what are you really digging right now i really like adam johnson's stuff like his kind of got like this rawness to what he's doing and i really like that like pariah i really like that a lot charging was pretty cool um yeah i really like richie eisler's work i think uh probably feeling his stuff the most yeah Yeah. him and dustin are are a magical pair yeah i mean eisler's like major inspiration right now for sure that guy kills it and he's like older generation too so it's like extra inspiring you know he's still still going hasn't stopped and that's that's good but yeah um you know the 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 nine to five guys like richard and and uh, eric rodriguez i love what they're doing they're having a lot of fun with their their camera toys too and they're into the tech side of shit and it's rad to see what they're doing you know and uh just everybody really man i mean People are doing cool stuff, you know, anybody that's just trying to do something different, you know. Do you think with the democratization of the tools that um, just anyone can put stuff up, it's uh, you have to search a little bit more for stuff that you like? Do you find yourself 
watching uh, more stuff that isn't quality because just everyone can get an HD camera and edit. Yeah, I mean, I see some stuff and I just watch like, you know, the first 30 seconds, not even like maybe 10 seconds and just kind of go, okay, yeah, I'm not going to like this and then just kind of switch it off. Some stuff, you know, you could say that and and then end up loving it by the time it's over. So I, I don't know, like certain song selection just kind of blows it for me. Um, <laughs> that's a diverse topic right there. And I don't really want to, you know, go into that. But uh, <laughs> I think certain songs that just kind of cry out to be edited to. And like if you can kind of pick up on that, then cool but i think there's a lot of people out there that don't and i don't know you just kind of have to like really look at the song you're using and and a lot of i mean it's easy to like really really like a song and want to use it just because you like it so much but if it doesn't really suit like what you're doing like fully then it's just not never going to feel right and i think some people kind of force they force that just because they're really digging this song kind of a thing i don't know it's hard to explain it's like no that's wise words right there well, you know, I, I mean, I've done it myself, you know, and I've, you know, like with Forest Fire, I really wanted to use um, uh, DJ Shadow from uh, introducing, I think it was like the first track or the second track. And uh, just this epic piano is like kind of slow, but it was just like really moody and really like, you know, edgy kind of a thing it was more it was more grimy than the song i ended up using that like sarah mclaughlin remix or whatever i kind of laugh about that shit <laughs> do you do you regret that i still think it goes pretty good it's a good track but it's kind of one of those things like oh okay you know like I, in time it kind of played myself but it's cool like i don't really care that much i think it's a good edit and you know people really kind of say the most about that video i think forest fire or concentration those are the most like that people come up to me and say, Hey dude, this video, like, you know, I played the tape to like, you know, pop type of thing. So yeah, those two for sure. And, uh, I, I remember, know. um, that, that video was playing and my sister's boyfriend at the time was like, is this the actual song in the video? And I was like, yeah. And he was surprised, but then he got kind of like, uh, allured by the way it went to the, the music. Like at first he would have been like, this song sounds kind of weird for a rollerblading video, but then uh, you're editing. Uh, you can get away with using songs like that. You know, and I was, I don't know, I was kind of a emotional kind of a puss back then. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but you, you use Sabbath for, uh, yeah. for Santiago. It's a, yeah, but that's dark. I mean, I, I made a lot of dark stuff and moody stuff and... and because I kind of felt that way, I don't know, a little bit, just kind of like in my little pity party kind of a deal. It's kind of a lonely, chubby kid, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, it kind of just was something I had to get off my chest and get that out. And I've kind of had more fun with it lately. Like, And it's surely noticeable. I mean, the l- latest edits I've done are just like barbecue edits and, and stuff like that, you know, aside from the OG Bladers thing and I started to do a REMS video, but uh, we kind of kind of fell apart. So. Shit. That would have been awesome. Yeah. It was, it was already like we were about to like plan this trip, but um, I just couldn't commit the time. And, and it just – the scheduling was like 
like one week it was cool and the next week I was like stressing it, you know, like, it, I don't know, like my life's kind of dynamic a little bit. Like with my job, sometimes I'll have clients and, and it'll get really stressful for a few days, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, like last week I did an 11 hour day just, uh, doing this edit for the Navy and, uh, client was kind of irate for a while and I had to like jump on the grenade and like just really edit the whole piece and really work with them and they left happy but you know it's like that it's like I mean I had like a 10 minute break and I had like a granola bar so (laughs) I don't know sounds a a lot like my life (laughs) it's uh video editing and and having a, a little video company it's incredibly unpredictable in the variety of situations you have to face. There's no any amount of film school that you could take to prepare you for. Uh, you just got to dive right in. And that's kind of my whole thing. Like a lot of, you know, my, my mom and like people would tell me like, oh, you know, you should look at film school type of thing. And I don't know. I just kind of was like, I heard a few people say like, oh, yeah, I went to film school and it was great. And I've learned a lot of stuff. And. I heard a lot of people said like, Oh, I should have just started working, you know? So I, I just kind of was already involved in an industry. And so I just went with it, you know, I was like, I could be making money, you know, so I might as well do that. But yeah. So current. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was done. Oh, so currently you have a production company yeah. like under your own name. It's, uh, Abstract collective. And it actually, was kind of a concept. The collective thing was before all the uh, the weed places called collective. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't like the name now. But anyways, it was like a collective group of people. It was like me and uh, Robert Lovanos and uh, this dude Matt Flint, um, the skateboarder guy, and uh, Keith Wilson. You know, just basically like the creative group that I was friends with and our closest friends were going to start like a little collective thing to get work and work together, you know, for bigger clients and try and make some money. But, uh, you know, I was kind of the only one that really pursued it. And, and back then it wasn't kind of like people weren't as active on, you know, website design and stuff like that. Like they are now, you know, it's kind of ramped up a lot, you know, since we started that. And so I don't know, I, I kind of took the reins with it and I, I registered the name and everything. So I just kept it and, and I just put out my videos under that. And, uh, but yeah, that's basically since 2004. Yeah, it's been Abstract Collective. I still have that. I, I do motorcycle videos uh, mainly. I have a bunch of copies of Respect still. I was selling those online for a while, um, but I got to work them into the new site design. But yeah, I just make these. Uh, I go to the desert and I film these uh, desert races. It's basically it's called a hare and hound. And, uh, it's like a hundred racers and they line up, um, you know, shoulder to shoulder across the start line and they call it a bomb run. Cause at the end it tapers down to about, you know, a car width apart of these banners they have to go through. And so they basically all start at the same time and just haul ass and try to beat each other to this. It's usually like a giant dust storm. And then they, they don't know where they're going. They're following a trail of ribbons and they do, you know, anywhere from two to three loops. And, and it's, you know, usually averaging around a hundred miles. So, I'm like on my dirt bike, like intercepting them at different points and filming them, setting up like GoPros in the rocks and stuff like that. And, and they've really like taken a great, uh, you know, reception to what I've done. And, uh, I get a lot of love from those guys and make pretty good, you know, good amount of money for the amount of work that needs to be done. I mean, it's not like skating, like 
I don't have to film for two months. Like I can go out for two days and get enough to fill, you know, five, six, seven minutes of DVD time. So, I mean, when you look at it, I can do like six weekends a year and make a DVD and, you know, make, you know, plenty of money back. So pretty good thing. I mean, it's not cheap though. I mean, my bike was like nine grand and, you know, my truck and all the gas and my wife's bike and, you know, lots of, lots of stuff. So, but it's fun, you know, it's just kind of like enabling it to keep going, you know? And, uh, yeah. And then I'm doing, uh, just, you know, the blading reunion just happened, um, on Saturday. And that was like, just better than I could have imagined. Like I, the day couldn't have gone much better. There were a few people there that I wish could have been there, but it's, I mean, it was crazy. Like, I, I don't know if you guys have seen anything. It's kind of people been posting pictures and stuff on Facebook and, uh, kind of, I don't know, some pretty epic, uh, dudes came out and shredded like Dustin Latimer and, uh, what? and, uh, Arlo, uh, John Leo, of course. Um, Who's out there? Eric Shrine, Louis, Robert, Lovanos, um, Mike Scott, uh, Mike Burke was there. Uh, who else was there? Sayer Danforth was there, and he was filming with his uh, his red Scarlet camera. So, oh shit! So we can expect some edits of this event. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually that's what I'm doing right now. Um, I think that's what the problem was. My my, I'm importing some files and I, I had something set up on a USB and I think it was messing up the microphone here. But yeah, but yeah, working on that and trying to get clips in from everybody. So I'm leaving for Sweden on Friday for vacation for a couple of weeks uh, with my wife to visit her family and stuff and. So I'm trying to get this thing wrapped up like ASAP. I'm thinking maybe. If everyone gets me their stuff tonight, maybe tomorrow night, I don't know. It depends on how work goes tomorrow. But, yeah, so we'll let it there. And uh, some pictures. Jason Marshall shot a bunch of pictures. So he's sending me all those, and I'll uh, put those up. So, But, yeah, man, the, the event, I really couldn't say, like, it was just crazy. Like, it was just a trip walking around, and everybody was just, like, thanking me all day long. It was, like, to the point where it was almost annoying. It was, like, dude – like there you oh hey bo what's up oh thanks dude like no 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 really really thank you like <laughs> like was that um really, can you talk a little bit about your the status update i read it on the on the podcast but, and kranz brian kranz linked it on uh one of his articles it was a it was an anger like call to arms to all of the basically i was uh getting deep one afternoon <laughs> no, it was kind of intense. Um, it was X Games, man. Fucking X Games. That's what it was. I, I just I I know the potential of of the people involved with rollerblading, or the people that are rollerblading, you know, and and it just kills me. And I was drinking that day. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was, uh, it was hectic, man. I was thinking about people that, you know, I really wanted, I've reached out to and, and, you know, got nothing back and, uh, it just kind of bummed me out, you know, and I just saw people that were in a position to do more than they were doing and really at no cost to them, you know, like no expense to them. And, um, 
they weren't doing it. So I just kind of, I, I don't know. There's some people that took it the wrong way, you know, like Jeff Belzeski was not stoked, you know, and, um, uh, Jay Dick was not too stoked, but after, you know, 90 comments or something that we finally like were making a ton of progress. I mean, there's a lot of positive things that came out of that right there. And, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, uh, some stuff going on in November here with, uh, John Julio's blading cup. I think it's going to be something really special, you know? So, but yeah, it's really just the whole, um, older blading edit thing. Like a lot of people came out and a lot of people that I thought would for sure, like didn't. And so that was kind of part of it. Um, people that I know that could, could have done it and knew about it, but didn't, you know? And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of felt like, like, should I post this? Like, I don't know. And, and sometimes like, I don't know when I'm that conflicted, sometimes I just kind of let it go and just see what happens and, uh, see what sticks. And there's only 200 and, 60 people in that group. And so I figured that it wouldn't be, you know, people would understand, you know, and a lot of people did like Dayton was like totally like right on board with me, Louie, bunch of people. And they, you know, they're giving me the benefit of the doubt because they know me. They're my friends, you know, where I'm coming from. And I don't know, you hear that and it's really, really harsh, you know, but I don't know. I think it's, harsh because I care, you know what I mean? And it's harsh because I feel like I can say that to them, you know, and they all know me. They all know where to find me. They can, they can tell me if they have a problem and and I expect them to, and they do, you know, and we always talk about it. I'm not like one of those guys that just going to not talk to you. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not an option for me. You know, like I, I feel like, you know, if you wrong me, like, cool. If you like, consistently wrong me okay fine maybe you know i'll ignore you a little bit but i don't know i just think that for the sake of skating you know like we all have to kind of suck it up and accept our differences and and as frustrating as they may be you know sometimes you just gotta kind of put yourself on the sideline and just bite your tongue just to keep things civil you know but sometimes you gotta call people out and you gotta get them motivated and let them know you know, what you think. Cause I don't know. It's like the way I edit, like I, you know, I doubted myself a lot. And, you know, when I hear, you know, like your comments and like a lot of people's comments that like, it's validating to, you know, my internal voice telling me what to do, you know? And so I try to think like, Hey, you know, if I'm feeling this way, then other people are going to be feeling this way. You know, like if I like this video, like other people are going to like this video. So that's just kind of, just make something I like, say something I feel, you know, be real with as real to myself as I can. And, you know, good things will come from it if I just, you know, stay positive with it. But yeah, I mean, I wish you guys could read that whole thing, you know, but. <laughs> Do you want yeah. me to read it? No, I'm, I'm, I mean, <laughs> the whole, the whole thing, like. Oh, the whole thing. Conversation. Yeah. And, uh, or James St. Hours' response are uh, pretty good. He kind of did some separate responses. I, I got to say, I love that dude, by the way, James St. Hours is a fucking champ. 
That guy, no. he needs he needs some footage in the next uh, older blading. Yeah. Or was was he in it? I can't. I don't know if you. I don't think so. No. That's what he told me. So, yeah, definitely. Sorry, what did he tell you? you told you me. Kinda... It's like, yeah, that shit sucks. I'm not in it. That's what he said. Uh, <laughs> well, you, you seem you seem like you're still very passionate about rollerblading, obviously. And, yeah. I, um, and as it's it's like I was saying about about the older bladers, the 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 wizard, um, how they bring something very special to the table um, with their experience and their age and, and, and what they've been through. And I feel like you're you're a person that has a lot to to offer rollerblading in terms of your vision, your your skills with the video camera, your skills editing, your the whole thing. Like, do you do you still fantasize about? about making a, a full video, like filming it all yourself and editing it all yourself and like yep. creating a really unique vision. Yeah. That's, you know, that's what I live to do. That's my thing, you know? And, uh, I work at this place called time zone multimedia during the daytime. And, um, uh, it's just a production place. And, uh, this guy has a gun shop, believe it or not. Uh, sell handguns next door. It's called Glock store. <laughs> owns that and then he owns a mail order kind of like gun type uh accessories company and he makes a ton of money and uh the production company used to be one of his main deals but the gun stuff is like escalated so much that it's really paying the bills keeping the lights on so um <clears throat> he has me doing like some product videos and like instructional videos and you know at first when i started working there it was kind of weird but you know now it's it's pretty chill but uh I don't, I don't really take as much of a problem with him as I used to. I don't know. I kind of accepted guns a little more now, and I kind of, I don't know, I understand their, their culture a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm losing scope here. What, what were we, uh, what was the name? <laughs> are, you, are you editing and talking at the same time, Bo Coddington? Oh, I'm, I'm just wandering, man. It's, it's, uh, I've had a lot of Advil today. <laughs> oh, I should have done an Advil disclaimer. the The question was one that I was going to ask too. Do you want to make um, another boat? Like whether you make money or not, do you still have a burning little fire to make uh, another, yeah, full length vision, Bo Coddington film? If I could quit the day job to take to put in the time that it takes to film a video, then I would love to. But I think in the meantime unless I can figure out some other way to keep the lights on, then I'd probably just, you know, have someone else film it. And then I would edit it. I've been open to that. I'm, I'm working with Fester and Damien. They want me to do some stuff and I put their, um, their video on DVD for them. But, uh, we, we tried to do a video a while back, but just, it was just going to be a Santee video and they didn't like, I did a little edit. It was like not even a, teaser it was just like a half-ass edit and and uh they didn't like it so yeah i'm not <laughs> a little overly passionate about it <laughs> Dude, you know he's funny as hell i love that guy <laughs> he's gonna be on i think this week all right cool yeah he's a, he's a good dude for sure um a little bit i could do without the poo but yeah. <laughs> oh i haven't seen the poo yet but video i haven't seen the fester video yet but i've heard of the poo i've heard there's pooing so, um, 
it's a good video. I was wondering, um, I don't even know if you can disclose this information, but in the era that you were making videos for razors, what kind of a salary or what kind of a budget did you have to make like an uncloned or a closer? The budget, the total budget, I mean, was pretty much kind of like whatever Andy prioritized. So like for uncloned, we went to New York and where do we go? Yeah, it was mostly Orange County, L.A., San Diego, New York. And uh, did I go to Alabama for un- – no, that was for closer. Yeah, so that was not much. Closer was a much bigger expense. I, I went to Europe, and John Elliott came with me because I insisted I was not going to Germany without somebody that could translate for me. <laughs> <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, not everybody speaks English there. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, so we went to England, and then we went to Germany, and then we went. I went to Alabama and Florida, Tallahassee, all through the south, and with Charles and uh, Sean Angler and all those dudes, West Driver and all those dudes. And, yeah, that was a really awesome time, i got to say. All, all those dudes out in the south are just great people, dude, like uh, – I don't know that that two weeks was awesome. Dre Powell, real good dude. Love touring with that guy. It's fucking awesome. It's hilarious. But uh, back in his wilder days, he's super wild. But uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that was a fun video. Closer, but yeah, uncloned. Yeah, I, I mean, my take home was pretty much the same on each one. Um, I made a little bit more money off of uh, Closer. I think it sold for longer because it was on uh, DVD. So, so the way that would work is there'd be a travel budget, like your travel would be paid for, and then it would be uh, a cut of the sales. I, yeah, I didn't pay for anything, like travel or like Andy would give me some per diem. It wasn't always enough, but it helped. I mean, if I was budgeting, I, it would have been enough. Like now, I, now it would be enough. <laughs> you know, I'd make it enough, but I'm a lot more resourceful now. So, yeah, but yeah. Um, Basically, I would take home, you know, I don't know if I want to get into specifics. But no, no, you don't have to. You don't have to. Um, you can if you, you want could. to. You can if you want to, though. Um, and it wasn't anything extravagant. I couldn't buy a new car with it or anything like that. If You know, it's like five or $6,000. And I would get it in two uh, payments. Um, one contract signing and one on delivery of the master. And then I would get a percentage of the, or a dollar video or some, something like that um, for every DVD or video that sold over a cost break point. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad, man. I mean, it basically paid for me to live while I was making the video. So, and I, I don't know, it was a good thing going, but I don't know if I could have done it if I wasn't like living at home, you know, type of thing Definitely. And was when I was just starting to live on my own. So that one was, was really hard. I was constantly borrowing money from my parents and, uh, yeah, I mean, just getting, getting the, uh, getting the feel of just living on your own and having to have an apartment in downtown San Diego and 
uh, yeah, living with Santiago and, uh, yeah, it was just a trip. It was just like a crazy time, you know, but, uh, anyways. I was wondering um, about in, uh, in Uncloned, in, uh, John Elliott section, uh, mm-hmm. there, there's a shot of him like standing by a car and then in the mirror, uh, there's, there's just like flesh moving around. Do you know what shot I'm talking about? It's like right after he does the the top uh, the top torque to lift his foot up to torque. Yeah. What was going on in that? I believe that was uh, police. In the mirror was police. <laughs> yeah, and I think they were taking pictures of us. That was such a weird shot. We're skating this spot called. Uh, I think this is the shot. It was called uh, Slick Ledges, and it was where Robert did the, he did, like, a sole over ledge to, like, a 360, like, I don't know what you guys call it. You probably have a name for it. Like a Coyote spin. Yeah, to uh, sole back on the ledge again. Yep. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? It's that yeah, spot. That was, yeah. And uh, for some reason, they were taking everyone's pictures because they didn't want to catch us there again. So I went there hundreds of times after that, and I never saw it again. So... But yeah, uh, that was just uh, nothing too crazy. Just some cops. Hmm. People getting their picture taken. Yeah. <laughs> but out yeah. of, so out of, because um, you've spent some time like filming with different people, uh, who who really stands out as being just really impressive in person to watch Rollerblade or to film Rollerblade? Well, in person? Yeah. Um, you know, one person that comes to mind, I actually talked to him today, is uh, Bruno Lowe. He's one guy that just is pretty gnarly. You know, he's always been kind of gnarly, and his personality was super gnarly in the beginning, too. Um, he didn't really mesh well with us at first, but we, we uh, forged a friendship out of a lot of tour time, so that was cool. But, yeah, he was... Uh, He's one guy that just, like, does crazy shit and, and, like, flips and, like, I've seen him do a bio 180 before, like, sideways cab, like, over a, over a speed bump. I, I was just kind of like, what? Okay. And I don't know if <laughs> somebody just posted the picture recently and of some guy, uh, was uh, one of the San Diego guys. He, uh, it was Bruno and he's doing, like, a flat spin and he's got both his hands like up touching the ceiling. He's like fully like Spider-Man up on the ceiling. He's doing like a flat spin 540 or something over a hip, like just some crazy shit. Like he's just one of the guys that I think is, is uh, kind of in the league of his own there. Dustin Latimer for sure. Um, he's like pretty much on the top of the list. I think that dude just like, I mean like this weekend at the reunion, he was just, I don't know, like, he was trying this big old gap, and it's like everyone just kind of, like, the C parts for him as he comes through. It's like <laughs> little 540s and shit, and just, like, everything he does just, like, looks so proper, and, and he's just, like, comes up a flat bank and, like, sets lights around the whole entire flat bank. Like, he's just surfing it, and it just comes off perfect. Like, he's not even trying, and it's just, like, I don't know, people like that just trip me out. Dominic Sagona, um Dominic and Dustin are definitely up there. Um, John Julio, Blake Dennis, Blake Dennis was here this weekend too. Dude, still killing it. Wow, uh, Blake Dennis. 
Fuck. Yeah. Those are all, all such legit names that you just... <laughs> like people who you, you would see them in videos, just even their one trick in a section would be the highlight trick. Like, well, yeah. And, and Blake Bill, like, I mean, he looks like he hasn't really skipped a beat. He seems a little bit rusty, but... I mean, he could still shred hard. He was doing, there's this like small, like two and a half foot little hip and he was blasting like you know, four and a half, five foot uh, stales over it, just right into the pocket perfectly, like super sick looking. And he was hitting like, you know, some top soles and shit and hit some set slides in, you know, and it all just looked super sick. And I don't know, you know, some guys, they just got it, man. It doesn't matter, you know, how little they skate or, or how long it's been. They just have it in them, you know, and they're just meant to do it, you know, I think. But, yeah, um, other people. Dustin Halloran, dude. That guy is amazing. Seriously. I've seen him do some shit, and you're just like, he just keeps going. He just can pull an endless assortment of shit out of his hat. Um, Rob Thompson is probably my favorite, too. That guy's top three for sure. His section that they did with Rejects. Um, I watch that online all the time. That's a good it's, one. All of these names that, that you've named, it's like, it sucks that, um, every, all of these people were supported, made a decent living or, uh, even just if, if it was a small amount of money for a living, a lot of these people were supported by companies. And then I, it was like, almost as soon as, uh, the companies stopped supporting them, they kind of, uh, even if they skated or not, it it, it sucks if people get more uh, jaded on company involvement and maybe get jaded on skating. Do you uh, do you find that happened? There was like a certain amount of time where more people just dropped out of skating because of uh, industry ties, like it left a sour taste in their mouth? Yeah, I think a lot of people tried a lot, though. I think some people didn't and some people did. Like some people – like TJ Weber is one that, that really – you know, that's a sensitive one for everybody because he's like everyone's favorite skater, you know? I mean, he's like the unsaid hero, like for every, like everyone at the OG reunion, I know that all those guys would tell you that favorite skater, TJ Weber, for sure. But, uh, he just got burned hard, man, by oxygen and, um, just like everybody else. And then after that, K2 kind of paid him a little bit, but K2, you know, they didn't really care very much. Well, they're a corporate company, so, I mean, Matt LaCrosse tried to do stuff, but, I mean, he was limited, and then Mike Powell, you know, he's limited too, so, I don't know. Weber got burned, I, I think, a little a little too easily, but he, he'd probably give you a different story. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, some, like, I got jaded real real bad too. I mean, it got to the point where there was dudes like Brandon Negretti is one dude I can think of. He was, he was doing videos for pretty cheap and a few other people. And it was getting to the point where it was like, I couldn't get enough money to pay for my bills while I was filming the video. And that's when I was like, man, what's going on? You know? And that's when I was like, I have to get a job now. And then once I got a job, then I couldn't film anymore. And then it was just like, okay, what the hell am I going to do now? You know, type of thing. So is, is there a balance, do you think? Is there a balance in the future? Or um, yeah, do you think I, you'll ever find that balance? Or is it just... Uh, I, 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 you know, I stay positive and, and 
I'm working towards that goal, you know, but it's going to be, it's never going to be like a, a lone, a lone rollerblading thing for me. Like the vision is, is not rollerblading alone, you know, but it's not like that takes anything away from my efforts towards rollerblading. Um, I don't know. I guess I could always do a better job if that was my only thing, but I don't know. I kind of don't look at it that way. I think there's, there's a limit to what you should do and it should all be good and it should be limited and it should be exclusive and it should be special, you know, and you can't, you know, overwork everything and, and, uh, you know, expect people to, to think everything is special, you know? And, um, yeah, I, I just want to, I want to do rollerblading videos cause when I hear music and it's inspiring, that's what I see in my head, you know? that's the first thing that comes to mind, but I'm really into bodyboarding right now, which is something that people kind of like, Oh, boogie boarding. Oh, but bodyboarding is like a serious sport and it's in, it's got a lot of soul. And uh, that's funny. I thought you said bodybuilding. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I thought too. Yeah. Bodyboarding like surfing, but just with a foam board, you know, and you have fins on and uh, you can ride on your stomach or some people, they, they, put it, get up on one knee or some people stand up, but yeah, it's just uh it's a different way to surf. And, and I've been doing it since I was like 13. I took a hiatus from that. And it's kind of like the rollerblading of the sea, man. They're hated on by everybody. And, and uh, you know, uh, fucking spongers, you know, like that. And, and, you know, all my, my two older brothers are surfers and, you know, they give me shit, but, at the end of the day, I mean, if you're in the water and you're getting waves and, you know, that's the point of it and you get the, you get, you know, the same thing from it. So, yeah. but I really want to, I really want to do something in that, um, realm there. Uh, Michael Keeney, I don't know if you guys remember him. Yeah. He was yeah. sick. Why? Yeah. Yeah. He's doing a ton of bodyboarding stuff and he's been, he's been doing it for a while and he's got a great, uh, following in the bodyboarding uh, community. And, um, yeah, I'd like to try and maybe do a, a little video. I, I surf all the time. I surf like, you know, three, four times a week. So I'm getting footage, you know, with my GoPro and taking pictures of waves and doing stuff like that. And, and so that's going to be something that is part of my life too. But then when I'm not doing that, I'm skating, you know, and then six to eight weekends a year, I'm going to the races. So, and you know that new Enduro uh, X event in the X Games uh, is from a series called Enduro Cross, and I've been filming that since like 2008, I think. Yeah, or maybe 2007. Enduro is that uh, motocross? It's it's indoor. It's in an arena, and it's like enduro. So what that means is it's it's off road. It's like raw, but you can't have that indoors. So what they do is they just bring in a bunch of rocks and they make a big rock pile. And then they bring in like concrete and they make like a pond. And then they get like a bunch of sand in one corner, a bunch of logs piled in another one, a bunch of big logs knocked over like uh, trees, fell trees and small rocks. They even have uh, a firewood section that's just full of firewood. And uh, basically it's like the guys are fighting the bike and, you know, trying to race each other. And it's just basically an awesome like beer drinking show it's kind of like going to a hockey game kind of type of thing you know it's just carnage and and you know the guy in last place will win type of thing it's just like anybody's game so that that's really fun i've got a lot to do i got to do a lot of stuff with them and and they're 
super like they always give me passes and and you know they've got real no reason to but they do you know and they're just great people i was stoked to see them in the x games it's kind of bittersweet you know yeah <laughs> you know but yeah I just i i i, I kind of have you know split life a little bit you know so but i think it's good i think everyone kind of does and we all carry blading into all those aspects of life, you know, and there's a lot of bodyboarders that rollerblade, like, you know, Jeff Leva and, and, you know, a bunch of other dudes like from Long Beach and, uh, you know, Hawaii, you know, Michael Keeney and, and, you know, there's a bunch of other people, you know, and they bodyboard and they rollerblade. That's their big thing. There's a, you know, I'm a rollerblading dirt bike guy and all those guys know me as a rollerblader. And at first they give me shit. But when they Google my name and they see all the praise that I've gotten and they see all this, these videos I've done, they see all this stuff, they, they, you know, they stop and they, they respect what I do. And they tell me like, yeah, I give a shit, but you know, I respect what you're doing, you know? So I don't know. It's kind of like, it's good fun. You know, we give our homies shit, you know, but we do it because they're our homies, you know? So I, I don't know. I just like to be able to put, give people a face to put the rollerblading, you know? So when they hear, someone talking shit or something they're going to think about me and maybe they will tell someone to shut up or, or correct someone or, you know, maybe they won't say anything, but they'll think something, you know, but I, don't, I think if everybody out there, you know, in OG land, all the old guys listening, you know, like just inject rollerblading into your other aspects of life, you know, and a little bit at a time is going to help, you know, I think, but, uh, yeah, there's there's bigger, more drastic things going on right now. Like I really can't say enough about uh, John Julio and his, his effort with the Blading Cup. I think that uh, that's going to be a real boost for rollerblading. And uh, so that's obviously like a new comp that he's planning. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the one from last year, but your edit was yep. sick. Like sweet. Um, yeah, it was like, sick. Uh, that was uh, I was drunk when I was filming that too. <laughs> That and Brandon Campbell, man, Mad Dog, and I don't know if you guys saw the photo. I got there's a shot of Brandon Campbell, Mad Dog, and the police officer. That's just like, <laughs> it's epic, man. That guy's crazy. Um, he's one of those dudes too. Brandon Campbell is uh, that guy was crazy. I mean, he would just pull shit out of his ass, like really big stuff. And uh, it was always it was always fun. Like you never knew what he was gonna do. Like you think, oh, he's gonna just back royale this shit, and then he would, like you know gap. Trusman top side soul, like just full commitment, like ready to die type of thing. You know, I love kind of shit when people just, just, they get juiced and they just, you know, materialize some craziness, like, like it just totally blow you away. But, um, yeah. Anyways, uh, back to what we were talking about. I have to pee really bad. Can we take a break? Yeah, sure. Uh And people know what they want to see and that's what's surviving, you know, the evolutionary cutoff and, um, it's molding into this like really tight knit, um, styly, really kind of like I don't know. It's I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. Um, it's like Fight Club, man. You know. <laughs> uh, it, and it, 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 I mean, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. And do you think that it's um, destined to be small forever, or can you see it? I I, I never. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> I said, I hope, I hope so. No, I, I, I mean, I hope it retains that feeling, you know, like we were just, I was just talking to Joe McGowan. I don't know if you know who that is. No. You remember bulletproof shin guards? Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Ho Ho Joe. You never heard of Ho Ho Joe? Did he invent the Ho Ho? He he didn't invent it, but he 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 coined it, man. It's his now. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he he was just kind of like a crazy older guy that skated this and uh, just didn't give a fuck and went out there and just had fun and and. He did a bunch of ho-hos, and he would do a extended ho-ho, and everyone would go crazy for him. And <laughs> he's just a rad guy, and, you know. I, I don't know. I was talking to him, and and he was just like, you know, he brought up a point. You know, it's like we got a great thing going on. How it was at the after party, and we were all drunk, and we were all just like vibing. And he's like, this is like, you know, we don't go our separate ways after the skate park. He's like. We we stay together, you know, all night, and we we go here, we go there, we you know we we're talking to each other the next day. Like he's like a lot of sports will give you that, but you know rollerblading's got a, like a tight knit thing about it. You know, it's like it's tighter because it's smaller because it's you know got the stigma, it's got the the shadow you know looming over it, and uh, it's like a blessing, you know, at the same time as it's a curse, and I think we all kind of have to look at it that way, you know, what are the good things about this, you know, and, um, good things like the event I just did this weekend, like that was like such a positive motivator for me. I mean, and I know just from what everybody was telling me, they felt the same way. Like just seeing everyone together, it just felt like, you know, like we're still out here, you know, like we out here, like they say, you know, and we're still out here. Yeah. You know, like we're, everyone's just kind of on their own shit, but collectively we still share the same feelings. You know, we still have the same love and deeper than just, you know, Oh, are you still skating? It's it's deeper than that. But at the same time, that's what the root of it is, you know? So it's, I don't know. It's like the more people skating, the more the vibe improves and the, the stronger everyone, I don't know, the whole gets. You know, because people get more and more motivated. The more people they hear skating, the more they feel like they want to be a part of it, you know. And that passion says a lot right there. I mean, I don't know. It might be just because we've been persecuted for so long that we have this fierce unity. But I don't know, you know, maybe maybe we wouldn't, I don't know. Some people are a little distant, you know, like, I don't know if I can't really tell you where they're at, but I think it's few and far between, you know, the majority of the people rise to the call, you know, and um, that says a lot right there about, about how much rollerblading has impacted their lives, about how much it means to them. You know, I think that's really what's important. You know, it's like this guy, uh, Daniel down here at um, the SDSF skate shop uh, in ocean beach, our only we have one in Escondido, but it's like the main the main blade shop now. Um, he's doing all these programs for kids, and you know he got all the community together, and they all donated their skate parts, and they made as many pairs of skates as they can, and they get these days going where they go down to the skate park, and these kids just have to give them like their ID or something like their school ID or whatever, and uh, they let them you know, rent the skates for however long all day. And these kids are like skating, like a bunch of the the dudes go out like Russell day and Chris waters and a bunch of the local rippers, they go out and, and they, you know, the kids, they, they give them respect and, and, you know, the kids get free stickers and stuff. And like at the OG reunion, I had a bunch of copies of respect and I was giving those out and the kids were like getting free wheels. Like 
Isaac from Eulogy sent us like, you know, 20 or 30 sets of wheels and, you know, and Eulogies are just like awesome wheels. So it was just like a super, everyone was stoked. I mean, Dustin Latimer got some wheels, but down to like the little like seven-year-old kid skating. So it was pretty cool to see, you know, like people like Daniel and OB and, and just like that love, you know, like that's what rollerblading is right there. Like, you know, it's that, I don't know, Dustin Latimer getting stoked on getting some wheels or, or whatever. Like, it's like, there's so many other things happening, but just that little positiveness, that little like light that we get from it, you know, is something that we all have to just spread, you know, we have to spread it, spread it, spread it. Cause somebody spread it to us, you know, and it's like our responsibility. That's kind of like how I feel, you know, and I was distant for a long time because the fucking business side of it ruined it. It fucking blinded that side of it for me. You know, I forgot, you know, and I never didn't have a pair of skates chilling, but, you know, I was distant from it. I was always watching, but I was just distant, you know, and, uh, what was the, what was the seed that, uh, that, or the thing that lit the fire back up originally? If you said you were distant, what was the story behind you kind of triumphantly returning to it? Skiing really did it. Skiing? Yeah. Because, it got me passionate again and it, it got me and you know, other things too, you know, like motorcycling was cool um, as well, but it was a different, it was a real humbling experience <laughs> getting into the motorcycle game and just learning the ropes of that. But uh, skiing was something that it was so similar to rollerblading and they had, they have taken things so far, you know, so much further than we've gone. And I think that, that was something that was like, and, and I have a BMX bike that I built too. And that was something that I got into just riding bicycles for a little bit. And, uh, I just built one. I just like to build stuff. And, uh, all the technology was so advanced, you know, they had built in chain tensioners, you know, they had, you know, integrated headsets and, and just like crazy stuff that was just small, but it was like evolutionary. It was like so much smarter than, than what I grew up with. And it just was such a intriguing thing for me. And I just wanted the same thing with rollerblading. And I'm kind of seeing it now, you know, like, like shadows are just like a marvel in themselves, I think. And I think that that skate alone could really bridge a huge gap to non rollerblading people because of its, its ease of use and how you can just wear it with a flat sole shoe. Like any, I mean, I, I ride them with flip flops sometimes, you know, I mean, <laughs> depends on what you're doing, you know, but I mean, I think that, you know, the carbon craze that's going on, I think that's rad. I haven't skated any. I don't know how they skate, so, I mean, I could hate them. But I think that it's awesome that people are putting that much love and, and technology into something. But I think that we've only, you know, frames are really underdeveloped, I think. Like, we're all kind of clamoring to make a frame that's affordable, Um and, you know, but at the same time, you know, physics didn't, didn't, you know, stand the test of time. So it's like that was a high-end frame that, you know, was really something that was changing skating, you know, and uh, they couldn't make it work. So, I, I mean, I don't know, you know, and maybe skating, maybe now physics would, would stick around, you know, but uh, I think that the technology as far as frames goes needs to really kind of, you know, People need to to really take it back to the drawing board and really 
You know, I, I like how the, the power plating or whatever, you know, the best marketing ploy in skating right now, um, how they have those frames. And, I mean, essentially they're nothing really new, but, you know, they're just kind of pushing it. You know, they're pushing the envelope in that direction, and, and it's fun, you know. And I think it's appealing to a lot of people. And, I don't know, like geeks like me, like that geek out on tech stuff, I mean, I just want to be geeking out on on blading stuff like I'm geeking out on the other shit, and and I am really, and so, but I just I think that that's kind of infinite, just can keep going, keep going, you know. So I, I always want to be in production and, and manufacturing of some kind, and I've been tossing the idea around of making wheels, but uh, I don't know. I think I found my hat. I wear it pretty well, so. I don't know. I might have some clothing or something. I think that's kind of safe. But uh, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said a lot of good shit there. There was a um, – I think Tom Heiser said something about physics where um, advanced skaters that really prefer um, advanced equipment isn't what the the market is. But I think it might be shifting a little bit more. I mean when – just colors was the most popular marketing ploy, like a different color of skate or frame. Um, I'm hoping with carbon skates and the adapt skate and everything that it goes more in the tech direction. Do you think that uh, UFS is limiting for frame design? Actually, no, I'm really proud of UFS. I think UFS is, uh, I think it's, it's something that can be adapted upon like, it can be improved upon, maybe. I don't know. But it's hard to get simpler than two bolts. I mean, it, when it works, it works. So, I don't know. I like the fact that um, anyone can make a frame that will fit any skate. And I think that that's something that we need to retain. And if you want to modify that, then cool. You have UFS, you know, different versions. But... Yeah, I think it's necessary for sure, and we we fought for that, and that was a proud day for us when that was made. You know, everybody kind of agreed that that was something that there wasn't really any um, resistance uh, for UFS. I, you know, even fifty fifty, and like companies that were making money off like juice systems. You know, I mean, and the juice system was like one of the best setups I've ever skated ever. You know, I mean, that shit slid on anything, and I oh. and they were. Uh, the UHMW or whatever that stuff's called. And um, I mean, they were just like $150 probably. And I just somehow got my mitts on them, you know, through some trade somehow or hand me down or something. And uh, I mean, it was just, it, that era was cool. But at the same time, like we all kind of had a vision like back in the day when skates were just scattered, it was like, Oh, you got this skate with this frame and this skate with that frame. And you got to, drill the rivets and you got to re-rivet and you got to do all this shit. I mean, it was such a fucking headache and it was so much hours just to get your skates right. And then they wouldn't last long enough. You know, it was just so frustrating that when we finally like, yes, we're going to get a wall and it's going to be all boots and we're going to have all frames and we're going to have all wheels. And like that kind of shit, like to me, like when I see a skate shop and I see all that, like, it's like, you know, it feels good to me. Like that's something that I feel like connected to. Like I can be proud of that, you know? Like we made it so it's like a skateboard shop where you can get trucks, wheels, and there's like create market facets, you know, like we created a, a frame market, you know, and, and it worked and it's 
Like, look at Create Originals and everything that they're doing right now. You know, I mean, that wouldn't be possible if UFS wasn't around saying, hey, yeah, you can make a frame and invest your money, and it's all it's going to fit on all these skates so anyone can buy your frame and use it. And I think that's something that's really powerful, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think um, there is benefit to having, you know, a, a skate and you can choose your frame, you can put whatever you want on it. Um, I think something that's missing, though, is that uh, I think it would be beneficial if a company looked at a skate as a whole, as the boot, the frame, the wheels, the whole package, and tried to design something that where the whole worked together. Um, I can what, what do you think of that? Yeah, that's that's a good point. And um, I think, you know, like Power Slide, you know, people say what they will about them. Um, I like Matias. I think he's cool. Uh, that whole side of things that he does with all those crazy other like designs, like the rec designs, race designs, um, even now the new Nordic uh, skating designs with the big crazy wheels. I mean, all that stuff is technology we can gain from. You know what I mean? Like, For sure. And I think that um, definitely skates look, need to be looked at from a whole. And uh, at the same time, you know, we have to look at that aspect of, okay, how am I going to change, you know, blading to be better, but at the same time, how am I going to make it open so that it still works with this other frame if, you know, so-and-so, you know, Brian Chima is sponsored by such-and-such, such, you know, who, you know, like, can this guy skate this, you know what I mean, or is it just going to be limited to my one, you know, five skaters here, you know, because a lot of guys will have a frame sponsor and a boot sponsor or whatever, you know, and that's just one little thing there. I mean, I'm sure there's other hang-ups to it, but. I don't know. That's just kind of like design priorities. Like, what's a priority to you? You know, if you don't give a fuck about that, then go for it, you know? And, like, Rollerblade with their, like, fusion skate where it's, like, an aggressive boot with no sole frame and a recreational uh, frame on it. So it's just kind of like a weird little thing that they've made for, you know, a specific market, you know? And I think that's cool, you know? And they put that skate from a hole, and they're not intending that to be you know, but is that a rec skate or is that an aggressive skate? It's kind of in that gray area, you know? So, I don't know. It's just open to interpretation, I guess, you know? But they're going to make what sells, you know? And they're going to try to make money on it as best they can. So, I don't know. I just wish people would make boots, though, and, and maybe work with the frame companies, you know? Like, I think just making a boot is hard enough. And it's a lot easier to build something than it is to buy the sum of it outright, I think, like sometimes, especially when it's like an adapt skate, you know, and you're paying like four bills just for the boot, you know. <laughs> so you're looking at some frame, some wheel bearings, the next thing you know, it's like 600 bucks for your, your setup, you know, and that's cool if you got the dough. I mean, I paid 400 bucks for my ski boots, and, you know, I pay like – you can pay. I mean, I don't. I don't really try. Try not to, but you can pay like upwards of twelve hundred to, you know, fifteen hundred bucks for a pair of skis. You know, so, and that's not even including bindings. So, I mean, I don't know if you guys ski or not, but uh, yeah, I do a little bit. I want to more, but that it's the the price actually and accessibility. I'm close to like a, an amazing mountain, but um, just sinking, plunking the money down for it. It's, it's a lot of money to do, you know? Crazy with it, like, like I was saying, like skiing kind of got me excited about skating again, and, and that wasn't after 
until after I had spent like probably close to two grand on gear, you know, over the span of four months or five months, you know, I got like jackets and pants and skis and poles and fucking all kind of shit. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, skiing's dope. I, I like it. I think, uh, skating has a lot to gain from being shown to skiers. And I think, uh, that skiing makes you a better rollerblader. I don't know. Absolutely. I, what do you guys think about me putting skiing in the, the OG edit? Um, I'm curious thoughts on that. I thought it was fucking awesome, and I would love to see. We actually wanted to do, we still want to do, like, even if it's the worst skiing section, we want to put skiing in some of our future videos. Like, yeah. um, that it, it, it just, uh, it's beautiful harmony when you see it together. And it's yeah. so similar. <laughs> it's so similar. And so yeah. many would be offended by that <laughs> which is it's, ridiculous that's i think totally that's ridiculous. fucking i we people have to get over it I, like the fact that um that skiers skateboard i mean i understand like that that skiers skateboard in the summer and that it's part of the re, more related to the culture but come on man boarding and skateboarding like you can't deny that you know but it's cool. i mean people rock what they're into like um What's that dude, Bobby Brown? Not the singer. The, uh, the um, he's like one of the illest uh, competition skiers. Dude does like the craziest, like triple cork crazy shit. I mean, like looks like a helicopter. But he skateboards. He skateboards really good, you know. And some guys are like, uh, what's his name, Josie Wells from from New Zealand. Like he skateboards really good too. So, I mean, if you're good at what you do and you're into it, like cool. You want to skateboard, fine, you know. But uh, it's when they're like calling, like, you know, I'm going to ollie on this rail on my ski. Like, come on, dude. Or, or, <laughs> switch, like, but yeah, it's called switch instead of fakie, right? A right side 540, not a left side 540. You mean <laughs> natural 540 and an unnatural 540 or a switch 540? Does that make more sense to you? Like, to me, it's like they're switching fakie, dude. You can't deny that. It's just like there's a cab. That's from Steve Cavallaro, dude. Like, that's totally everybody says cab it's like that's an established thing like we show cab respect because he fucking invented it you know it's like it doesn't matter if you're on a bike if you're on a bike it's called a cab they don't call it a fakie 360 you know what i mean they call it a cab so it's like i don't know there's certain things you got to respect you know and and uh it's just like on a bike you know they call it a bunny hop and that's it sounds weird but you know they call it a hop or something you know to shorten it up but i mean that's just what it is you know and to I don't know. I don't like tagging yourself to other industries, but at the same time, um, you know, whatever floats your boat, you know, if you're into skateboarding and you want to ski and you want to relate the two, then go for it. But, you know, I, I don't know the, like the whole skateboarding craze, I kind of got mad at a couple guys cause they're just kind of like trying to link, um, skateboarding and, and, uh, rollerblading together. You guys know what skateboarding is, right? Yep. Yep. Snowblading or whatever. Yeah. It's fun. It's great. But as a serious skier, it's kind of like frustrating because I don't know, just, it's totally like kind of, it's fun, but it's, I don't know, like I don't, it's got even a worse reputation than rollerblading does. And they, and like, I think that it's great that it might be similar looking, but I think skiing is something that, you know, just because it's more like a rollerblade to have a short ski, like doesn't necessarily make it better. I mean, yes, it's less entangling. If you don't ski, it's 
it's like less intimidating because you're like, oh, it's just these short things. It's no big deal. I can just turn my foot and I, you know, and that's kind of, it goes against the technology of the snow, you know? So like just working with snow and turning and, and doing that whole thing. So I don't know. That's kind of frustrating. I didn't mean to like really offend anybody. Like you know, this one guy, Dave Bloom, and I'm sure you guys have done edits with him. Like he got really offended and he like defriended me and stuff. And I understand <laughs> he's passionate about it, but you know, it's like, I don't know. It's like some people really hate scooters, man. And they don't want like, like for me, like I don't hate on scooter kids, you know, and I know shops got to make money and sell scooters, but at the same time, like, I mean, I don't know. I, I just think, you know, you got to make your money, but you know, you're, you're promoting something, you know, I, I don't know. Like I, if I'd sell skateboards probably if I had a shop, you know, but it'd probably just be blank skateboards and they'd be outside, you know, I'd probably sell scooters, but they'd be the low end scooters and they'd be on the, you know, but it's like taking someone's money off the table. So it's kind of hard to criticize, but um, yeah, uh, you know, scootering is blowing up right yeah. now. And that's only because that's all there is. And look back when rollerblading blew up. I mean, rollerblading was blowing up so big. That's why they made the X Games, you know? Like, it was rollerblading's numbers that created the X Games. Like, they were just massive, you know? Like, they were ridiculous. And uh, we had Janet Jackson getting rollerblades, you know, like shit like that. And uh, it was just massive. And and we set up that whole stage, basically, at least – that's what I've gotten from my collective uh, prodding of all the uh, the super OG guys, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it's a different animal now, you know. And I think that that then all that recreational money was going into into aggressive as well, and so it kind of made it seem like a bloated industry when it, we made it seem bigger than we really were, you know. Like aggressive money wasn't really paying the bills that much. I don't really think like for some companies like Senate was making hand over fist money, you know, but, uh, what do you think of that term aggressive? Oh, I think I've always kind of thought it was weird. I've never really, like when I first heard it, I was like, what? (laughs) And I was like 13, (laughs) I think 12. I was like, okay, whatever. Like it's just rollerblading to me, you know? And and sure, like when we try to be cool, like we try to aggressive inline skating, we're just trying to separate ourselves from rollerblading, and that had to do with a negative stigma for the term, but it also had to do with holy shit, is rollerblading going to sue us if we say we're like, you know, the rollerblading association of America type of a thing? You know, would rollerblades sue us? And most likely they would. So, I think there was a while there before I think so they ruled that uh, rollerblade couldn't do that anymore because it it was just deemed a like a term now, it's just become a, a, a standard term, which is kind of like a major success for them, you know, I mean, shit, but whatever. I mean, for a while, that was a legitimate concern for a lot of people, but I like blading. I think blading stuck. I think this is, it's blading for good and it's going to keep this, you know, and rollerblading sounds a little too official, but blading is something that I don't know. I think every, but like the majority of the guys I talk to, that's what they refer to it to. So, or as so, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling on, so forgive me here. It's good. It's good. Todd, you got more? Because I can keep going. But did did anything pique your interest there? The comments, lots did. Um, I uh, I started thinking about um, 
kind of Arlo's original vision for for the for the wheel sports, the lifestyle sports. Um, how I think he, he said he visioned like shops where they would sell BMX and rollerblades and and skateboards. I think that's a possibility. I think right now we're in this like this uh, adolescent stage where everyone like doesn't like each other and it's like oh I rollerblade I don't like skateboarding I don't like rollerbladers and and I think eventually we're all going to grow out of that shit and it's just going to be uh, these these skate parks that are everywhere are just going to be like like playgrounds are and kids are going to go and they're going to do whatever the hell they want and there isn't going to be this like h- hate towards the other um do you think eventually there'll be shops where you can get like bikes and skateboards and whatever you want scooters yeah i mean i i would do that i mean i, I wouldn't but it's like about what your specialty is I'm, I'm sure if you were successful then you could pay the higher specialists in each department and then you could have and that would be pretty cool i mean but at the same time i care about rollerblading the most and i care about bodyboarding and i care about skiing and i could see myself having a shop with those three things together which would be just like a totally odd collective of things but do you don't you think that's interesting that you can say that you are into rollerblading and and there's like a water thing and a snow thing and a cement thing but you can't be into like two cement things or you can't be into like two water things or two snow things i like that's interesting yeah, I like uh, you know snowboarding is not my deal. Um, skateboarding is is fun, like in backyard shit and like you know little small stuff and uh, um, you know or snow snowblading or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, you know I do other other things like on dirt. I think I'm more versatile than I, I mean I ride a dirt jump bike, a mountain bike, a BMX bike, and a motorcycle, and that's fun. I don't know. I just I like to go forward. Everything I do, I go forward. I don't go sideways. So if it goes sideways, I'm not really interested. My body doesn't really mesh sideways. But I like skateboarding a little bit. Like I like the old surf sidewalk surfer style boards. Like Kevin Gillum and those guys are working on this stuff for Bravo, um, which was uh, the corporation that owned Hyper Wheels. And uh, Kevin Gillum works for them, and uh, Mark Heineken, and Matt Andrews. And I think maybe Roadhouse, too. I could be wrong about that, though. But uh, they just do design work and all kinds of artwork, uh, printing stuff, all kinds of stuff. And Kevin Gillen was posting they do these Kryptonics skateboards. Okay? Get that. <laughs> uh, they're uh, the little plastic, like, bullet boards, like sidewalk surfer boards. And they're going to be in Walmart, and they're, like, super cheap. So I'm probably going to buy one of those just because they're kind of cool. I like that whole old school shit too. Like Mike Vallely, um, who's actually not like outright, like publicly supporting rollerblading, but like I've met him, met him once and, and he was like super, super cool. Like I was at one of his poetry readings and I got like some FaceTime with him and it was really cool. And, uh, Eric Shrine was there too. And, uh, that dude's doing some shit right now. And he's kind of like, he's kind of like coming back to where rollerblading is right now with skateboarding. And I think that there's an edit and I posted it a few times that he did. And it's like a Ben Harper song. Um, and it's slow motion. And the start of it is him walking through this skate shop and it's in Liverpool, I think, or something. And there's this 
big crazy skate shop and the walls are glass and like the pillars are like lit up and there's like giant Nike logos and there's like this giant DC team photo right next to this giant light up and it's all light up like stands like this crazy money like assembly and he's just kind of like you know walking through it just not like looking at things and kind of looking away just kind of doesn't really look very stoked you know like he's just kind of like uh like I'm over this shit, and then it just has him skating, and his whole company is kind of like, I don't know, it's based on getting back to the core. He's making all these old boards and all this other stuff, and it was just really inspiring to me because a lot of the stuff that he's calling on is kind of like the era in skateboarding that's really similar to rollerblading right now, and I think it's where people were really having influence on their products. And they were really putting a lot of themselves into what they were doing. And it was because they loved what they were doing. It wasn't to make money, but that was just like a, you know, a good side effect of it. But, yeah. you know, it was more, it was more than that, you know? And uh, I think that, that his story is like a good warning for us because he's jaded on his own sport that he loves and he feels like alienated from it, from its success. And that's something that resonated with me big time. And it made me start thinking about things differently, you know, and it's a subtle message. I mean, you probably watch the same video and get a totally different message from what I got, you know, but at the same time, I think it's like when the thing comes to a crescendo, it's like him doing these old school shits, like big boneless, all this crazy stuff. And this whole indoor skate park lined with kids just going ape shit when he lands, you know, and like, back to the core of what it's about, you know, and, and it's just so powerful. And I think rollerblading is so core right now, you know, like I hear shit from like John Bellino, like that dude, I, that guy's fucking awesome, you know, and like Montre Livingston and like those, just those crazy characters. They're just in the moment guys, you know, and they're just such raw representation of skating's like style and finesse, but at the same time, that raw like power and, and, I just, yeah, I can't say enough about some of these guys, you know, like Haffy. I mean, he just, he commands respect, you know, doesn't matter who you are. Like his, he's got presence, you know, he's got charisma, you know, and that's, that's, I don't know. That's something that rollerblading has brought out of him, you know? And uh, I I think a lot of people would find that somewhere else, but I think uh, skating special in that sense. And that's what we need to hold on to. You know, we can't look at it, like a business all the time. And I think that's something that people rush into doing, you know, I think in terms of freedom of expression and rollerblading, there's, there is so much freedom right now, because like you said, we're not, we don't need to answer to anybody. And there's crews of kids that are like staying together because there's not like companies that are coming at them and, and plucking out the best one out of the bunch and throwing money at them or, and kids are growing up like like bands of of skaters, and people are just blatantly just doing exactly what they want. Like, um, I think if rollerblading did ever get bigger, people would look back at this time as being like the the prime era of what rollerblading really was. You know, it's it's not it's so pure right now. Everyone that does it is is free to do whatever makes them happy in it and and right now is a time when it's all about substance because 
like, I, you know, at Eric Schrein's birthday, I got together with all my boys, you know, the Esco guys, and it was like me, Louis, Eric, um, Robert, Keith, and the wives, and, uh, you know, everyone with Brian Ham, he's up in Idaho now. Um, but yeah, we're getting together, and, and we're talking about doing stuff, and I was kind of being negative, and I could understand, but I, I just kind of like, like coming into the industry now, especially as an older guy that was involved back in when we were young and, and just like young and popular and with power and everything, like really, just, you know, you have to take a step back, you know, and, and really look at what's, you know, what's important for, for the industry is all of us just kind of doing our thing and, and really being passionate about it. And, um, hard to say what i'm trying to say here talking about the importance of uh solo endeavors yeah from person to person yeah you know i mean it's kind of like you know like the reunion thing that i just did like it's it's rad the response that i'm getting but it's like all i really did was just hit up a bunch of people you know what i mean like do something plan in advance reach out and and you know get people involved and uh i think that you know that's something that's important for all these guys to do and uh, not everyone's doing it and not everybody's like calling people back and and uh not everybody's like really falling through following through with like maybe having to do something with somebody maybe advance their plan not everybody shows up kind of a thing i'm sorry i'm losing my train of thought here dude you guys probably want to edit that shit out if you can but no, uh, no, that's good. <clears throat> just, I'm just like losing my train of thought here. I need to drink a water real quick. <laughs> I think um, I get it. I, I uh... refresh what we were talking about, man, because I, I get sidetracked and I start thinking, and my brain is faster than my mouth is here. That's why you're a good editor. <laughs> I do the same thing. You can have amazing conversations in your head about footage, and you can make connections where there weren't connections before. That's just what you were doing. It was good. I have um, conversations with myself way too much. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you're a good editor. <laughs> well, I do because it that's what you do eight hours a day when you're editing is you're constantly, should I do this? Should I do this? Is this a little better? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something and they don't, they're kind of ineffectual after a while, you know, and like, that's why I kind of prefer to like get instructions from the client and just crank it out for them, you know, Me too. instead of just having, sitting there hanging over everything I'm doing. Cause it's like, there's so much decision-making that they really shouldn't have, I guess, <laughs> like decision-making power that they really shouldn't have, you know, cause sometimes the client thinks they know best, but usually they don't, you know, I don't know. Depends on what it is. Like when it's a rollerblader, you got to listen, you know, like Shima had sat in with me and, uh, on his section and he'd never really said anything, but if he did, I would do it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> don't use the shit. Like I would, but then there's some people like Dominic Sagona who, who like would say that for every fucking clip. And you're like, no, <laughs> you dude, like we're using all this shit. And then sometimes he'd be like, he would really have to go, no, really, you're not using Okay, dude. All right. Like you, you have to be persistent, super persistent. But some people they just barely make a peep, and you're like, okay, you know. And really, I mean, 
you know, I love getting praise for everybody for editing, but I mean, I'm, I love to put stuff together and, and I love to have premieres and I love to have everybody get excited about what I'm making. But I mean, it's always been for me just about showcasing these guys, you know, cause like it all started for me with uh, Eric Shrine. I mean, he, he was, I mean, he is like OG as it gets. I mean, back when, Chris Edwards and Arlo were like on top of the game and it was like a rivalry between them. Like Shrine was doing, he did uh soul to front side to alley soul down this 19 stair rail that, you know, Chris Edwards and Arlo are, you know, trying to front side. And like, it was just, I mean, that's why like Chris Edwards put him on birth clothing and Chris Edwards took us under his wing and, and, uh, and all that stuff. But I mean, Shrine just, I mean, that guy's ability, like, it's just crazy. Like, I, I, at one point in time, like, I'm I'm just convinced he was the best skater, like, the best street skater, like, just the best raw street skater, like, on the planet. Like, he could do anything. Like, he was better than everybody. Like, he could do whatever he wanted to do. His that, style in 18 days really stood out. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the rails he did, like, we'd go to some rail, and it was a kink with a notch in it, you know, or like a... You had to like stand still on the front on the top step and like you know he he was doing that for a while like we'd have rails with no run up and he would just like put his front wheel over the top step and like just jump from a standstill on the rail and uh, you know we never handed up to shit you know like we always hated that and uh, just you know never even foot up to shit you know that's what you know Robert would always oh you foot it up you foot up you foot up you know it's like step up whatever but. <laughs> Uh, that was just something like, you know, but to Shrine, man, I mean, he brought up Lovanos, like Tomas Banuelos, Louis. Uh, Thomas Banuelos was fucking sick. One of those guys that was just fucking crazy. And, I, and he's still fucking crazy. I talk to him uh, rarely, but he's usually up to no good. No, he's a good guy. He's like, <laughs> so down. He's, uh, he's got kids and, you know, but he's always like cruising around in like some, you know, expedition is like bumping like you know it's lowered or something. Like he's just funny, man. I don't know. And then Rob is just like this crazy designer now, and he just does all kinds of stuff. I mean, he's got more connections than most people in rollerblading, and uh, his art is amazing. He's got uh, FateHurricane.com. If you guys, if uh, you guys should get him on, he'd be good on here. Yeah, that'd be cool. He's got a lot. Of- uh, he, he's he's a compelling dude for sure, but uh, yeah, I mean, back to Shrine. Um, he just like was my homie. Like I, he was in my sixth grade class. That's how I first met him, and it was when rollerblading just started. And uh, you know, you didn't grind, you messed up your skates. You know, and there was no pro. Like you couldn't be pro rollerblader. Like that didn't exist. You know, there was like Chris Edwards, but we didn't even really know who he was we were like oh there's that guy that did a flip you know and then one day like you know we got we got on to wise to it you know slowly but surely and uh i remember one time i was at grocery store parking lot in escondido and uh i was with eric shrine and this dude mark smith um one of my local buddies and uh we went to play roller hockey behind this grocery store and chris edwards was there and in between, there was two parking lots that adjoined, and in between there was just a curb, just freestanding curb on a flat. You know, it was a pretty sick curb, now that I think about it. But uh, 
Chris was doing the standard grinds, which I don't know if you guys know what that is. Um, it looks like a kind grind, but you're rolling on the on the sole foot. So it's like a power slide, but you're grinding. And that okay, was, yeah. yeah. That was the first grind, and, and um, it was called a standard grind. And he had a huge groove in his skate, and he was riding fat boys. And I remember thinking, like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, is he... <laughs> Like I'm not doing that shit. He's sponsored. Like fuck. <laughs> but I, at the same time, we're totally like jaw drop amazed over it. We're like, wow, dude, this is this is shit right here. And then took a little while to sink in before we really like go, hey, let's go try and you know kind of poke around and grind stuff. And uh, you know, Shrine just just picked it up and ran with it. And he was just good at it. You know, we had grind rails and. Lots of little uh, little curb sessions like this. This uh, shrine still lives in the same house as when I first met him, and uh, right across the street from his house, there's this uh, school called Orange Glen Elementary, and uh, they've got this secondary parking lot that has like the best curbs ever. I appreciate a good curb. I don't know if you've noticed that yet, but uh, they're really fun, dude. I've spent many hours just sessioning the shit out of curbs. But uh, good curbs are f- awesome. And <laughs> We had these curved ones and all this shit, but I mean that's kind of where it all started for us. And uh, when Shrine took it to handrails and was really like lacing shit, I was kind of intimidated. And like you know, I was a big, I was like overweight then a little more and not quite as like fit and like quite couldn't lace it like they could, you know. And I I was really envious and I tried, you know. I did I did the smaller rails and I did what I could, but uh, yeah, like Shrine really accepted. And this other guy, Dave, really excelled, um, who actually he passed away recently. But he was from the east side of town. His name was Dave Bark. And uh, he actually invented the Bark grind, which is uh, <laughs> you do a front side on a lunch table with one foot on the bottom bench and the other foot on the top. So that was <laughs> nice. <laughs> There's a lot of possibilities with the Bark grind. The bark grind is the shit, and uh, Brooke Howard Smith and Arlo, they know about the bark grind because Dave was kind of a, a fierce self-promoter, and he would call Brooke and Arlo and tell them about the bark grind all the time, and I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> his dad is a crazy, crazily fierce Republican, and I have intense battles with him on Facebook, but yeah, <laughs> Dave was a character, and, and basically Shrine was... Uh, it was like a competition between Dave and Eric, but Eric was always the one that just laced shit with ease, you know, and Dave was really good, but Eric was always like the one that everyone's like, okay, Eric's going to do some crazy shit on this, you know, and and he just had, you know, mad love, and, and, and me and him stuck together. His dad bought a camera, and I was just like, this dude's super sick. I'm just going to film, 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 and it was this other dude, Jamie. He would film, too, and he was pretty good, too, and Keith Wilson and Dave. That was like the original crew. That was the original ESCO crew. Um, and then, you know, Tomas and, and Robert, I mean, at that time we're like playing soccer, you know, and like really young and, uh, they came in later and, um, but yeah, um, Shrine just excelled like through that whole period. And then his style just developed to the point of the VG4 section where that was when his style really started to develop. And then that the section that we did in Unclone was something that still like gives me chills like to this day. And I have that on my Vimeo account. Um, if you go to Vimeo and uh, just search my name, I think it's just Vimeo slash videos slash Bill Coddington or something. 
but I have uncloned up there and uh, I got the Eric Shrine and Brian Ham section and that section has got some serious shit. It's where Eric does the uh, switch topsail on the down flat of a, like a water fountain rail and then he transfers over to the center rail right foot topsail and, it, and then comes off rewind and it's just like, like that kind of shit it's like it's like juggernaut shit it's like shine just will like bring it it's like happy it's like it's why they call him bone crusher because when you're there and it's like it seems like he's going to crush his bones they just have so much momentum and so much you know force behind what they're doing it's just like something to behold you know and i don't know shrine's definitely in that category and uh but yeah he's he, you know i was just telling them the other night like you know we're all drunk and you know the OG reunion after party and just you know super vibing. Dave played this. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll, let me tell you about this moment real quick. Dave played. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember. It's an old VG. I want to say VG four. And there's like a, this jazz instrumental piece. Jazz. Uh, oh yeah. The the. No. Yeah 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 and uh, I think it was visual aids section. Okay, I'm talking to John Julio about Blading Cup in the back of the room, and we hear that song come on, and he's like, dude, let's go sit up in the front row. And I'm like, all right. And we go up there, and it's like me and John and Blake Dennis and uh, a couple other dudes. I can't remember right now. It was like Blurred Vision. And uh, Shrine comes, like, slowly walking in the room, like, with his head cocked back and his eyes barely open. He's he's a really unique-looking character. He's got his beer held up as high as he can hold it. (laughs) It's just... Moment that was just like, you know, that era, you know, when we did that VG4 shit, I mean, we were so young, man, and just to have this full circle, like, I don't know, feeling, it was just like, it felt like, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, rollerblading's back or whatever, but, I mean, at that moment, it was like, it didn't feel like we were back, it just felt like, you know, we've been apart for way too long, you know, and it, this is something that is a part of who we are, and, and we can't run away from it, you know, it's who we are. And uh, we have to accept it and embrace it. And I don't know, like, I I think, you know, we all have a lot to give. Like, I gave a lot of time, you know, and I gave a lot of effort and, and not a whole lot of money, but I gave money, you know, and uh, did what we can to make this last weekend a success. And, and I've gotten so much response from it that, you know, and the, and the older blading at it, too. I mean, we, we, we broke 20,000 views on that one and. You know, I mean, that's nothing to scoff at, you know. I mean, my moto videos don't do that. I mean, my, one of my Enduro Cross videos is like at a, at a 100,000, but that one was just because of the X Games, really. So, I mean, uh, I, I think uh, everybody needs to put in hours because that's important. It's not money necessarily, you know. It's your time, you know. And I think everybody can give a little bit of time, you know, to write messages, maybe write a letter to somebody, maybe make a phone call. You know, I, I was just talking tonight, actually, uh, to Tin Nguyen. Do you guys know that is from Australia? No. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know that name. He's, yeah. People know him. He's the dude with one arm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was talking to him tonight about um, potentially doing something uh, down in Australia in the beginning of 2013, and he was just telling me, like, yeah, you know, like, what you're doing is motivating everybody to, you know, they're seeing all these other guys, you know, getting clips and they're like, fuck, I got to get something. It's like now the train going and everyone's got to jump on the train, you know, or it's going to leave them behind. And I, I think that's kind of where, you know, that blunt quote came from was 
right now Volvang is at a place where it's got so much integrity. It's it's fierce and and what I was talking about with the whole being negative at the at Eric Shrine's birthday party before I got sidetracked was uh I was saying like Roadlink's not gonna embrace us with open arms unless we're doing something, you know? And the guys were kinda of talking about, you know, having an Escozu site with history and stuff and I thought it was a great idea, but I also thought that we're all not doing enough and we need to do more, you know. And, and and these kids deserve more because they're so passionate about it, you know, and they're not just going to accept us because we're, we were involved in the heyday, you know. And Fuck yeah. That's just like, Bo yeah. Coddington dropping knowledge. That's a reality that I've, I've come to terms with because of the interactions I've had with people on Facebook, basically. I mean, I talk to kids and kids send me shit and I, I talk to people who send me messages, you know, you know, a lot of people send me messages. I don't see. Sometimes I'll get like a ton of messages in one week, but I try to respond to every message I get. And, and, you know, a lot of people don't do that. And, but I don't know, I just, I try to get a bearing for what's going on. And I think that, you know, there's sports out there that are very similar to us and they figured it out, you know, like bodyboarding is a really good example because they've got the same stigma that we have basically, but in Australia, it's huge in Portugal. It's huge in, you know, everywhere it's huge, but in the United States, surfing is huge. So it's just kind of like, you know, they've taken the negative stigma in these other places and made it work. And I don't know why for some reason the market here is so trendy but it is, and I think that we're never going to break that cycle, and that we just have to learn how to live without it. And I think there's plenty to go around with a focused system. Like with my dirt bike videos, like I don't sell to skate shops or dirt bike shops, rather. You know what I mean? Like there is, I could, but I just sell direct to the people, you know? And, you know, in skating, we have an awesome network of skate shops, and that makes us really lucky. You know what I mean? And we can keep things, like, close to the chest. And, you know, some people want to get in, like, sports authority and all that stuff, and that's great. You know, there needs to be accessibility. Like, we need the $150 skates in sports authority. You know what I mean? And maybe one high-end skate in there or whatever. But I think it's important to just have the, the direct customer relations and have the direct shop relations so the shop's happy, the customer's happy, they can get what they need. You know, if their shop can't provide the parts they need, they can contact the company and get the parts they need, you know, like stuff like that. And, and just like skiing, man, like there's somebody that cares about my skiing, you know, just like, like SDSF here, they care about me rollerblading. They want me to make sure that, I have good skates and, and they want to give me the best deal that I can and, and all that, or that they can. And, and, you know, they care, you know, and that's what's important. And we have to just stick to the people that care, you know, and, and uh, I think that it's a natural evolution because what's accepted stays and, and what's rejected just falls away, you know, like, I don't know. There's a lot of people like that aren't involved anymore and they probably won't get back involved anymore because they've moved on to other things that gave them what they were looking for, you know, but some of us are looking for something more than just a career, you know, I mean, doing rollerblading for a living for so long was such a blessing 
and I took it for granted at the same time that I appreciated it a lot. You know, I appreciated it a lot, but I could have appreciated it more. I know that now as an older guy, you know, 32 here, you know, with a lot of experience, but, uh, yeah, I just, I, I think that everybody's just kind of got to look at their focus. What, what's driving you? What's, what's making you sleep good at night? You know, sometimes it's doing an 11 hour day for the Navy and, and jumping on a grenade. Sometimes it's, you know, throwing a big ass barbecue, you know, that you plan for months, you know, or making a web edit, you know, like whatever your thing is, you know, I don't know. I just think that, that it's about what's important to us, you know, and that's it. Nothing else really matters, you know? Exactly. And that's, that's kind of like, I'm one of the biggest dudes to say, Oh, we need to be back in the X games and, and, this needs to happen because I know what could that could bring us. But at the same time, I mean, the more I go along here, I'm just like, you know, we're on the path, you know, it's sustaining. It's, it's yeah. like, it, you can't stop it, you know? So. And is that what people really want? Do people really want to see rollerblading in the X games? Does that like really excite them? Yeah, I think what it comes down to is is people want to see rollerblading respected, and people want to see rollerblading loved like like it should be loved, and and or at least acknowledged that love to be acknowledged. Like, yes, we appreciate that you guys love this this much. Well, it'll it'll happen, but it'll happen like like how we fell in love with rollerblading in a small town in Canada, getting videos like Transcend and Forest Fire, getting things that that people were making that they were actually passionate about. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't the X games like that may have inspired us for a short period of time, but it yeah. wasn't the X game. It's not because of the X games that we're still like skating now and we're still obsessed with skating now. It's those, it's those real seeds that get planted when, when it's something that the person was really passionate about making like those videos that, that you, had a vision for you wanted to respect you wanted to showcase what your friends were doing out on the streets and together with with their friends and and that is the feeling that that sparked kids all over the world to start skating and not stop and and people are still rollerblading because of videos like that yeah and and they tell me all the time and it it's like I don't know. It's, it's a fulfilling feeling, you know, it, it like sometimes, you know, you feel like alone, even though you're not at all. And like that kind of stuff, like it kind of, uh, I don't know. It just, it really like makes the fight club feel tight. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you're part of this community and even though you're not on TV and, and even though you're just totally like shunned from, from even, you know, being acknowledged that it's something that's so that transcends all those things, you know? And I think that that's something that's make it made us stronger and more unique than, than most sports. And, and when I look at like scootering or scooting or however you would call that, uh, I see similarities, man, you know, and I feel like a hypocrite a little bit because, and I've been biting my tongue lately Cause I used to just kind of knee jerk, ah, fucking scooter, ah, you know, but I don't know. I, I kind of like, I feel like 
you know, this is my opportunity to, to change the cycle, you know? Yeah. Heard somebody say, you know, and I, you know, just be nice to them because the skateboarders are going to be dicks to them no matter what. And maybe they'll start rollerblading if all the rollerbladers are nice to them. And I said, well, hey, you know, you got a point because, you know, basically the scooter thing has got an even worse stigma because it's just something that will never come out of toy status. You know what I mean? Like, you could even argue BMX bikes, you know, they they say a lot of shit about, like, riding kids' bikes and, you know, stuff like that. Like, they get shit for that. But, you know, a scooter is just such a cramped little thing. It's like, you can't be like a six-foot-five dude in scooter, really, I don't think. But I could be wrong. But I just, you know, I don't, at the same time, there I go, you know. I'm, I'm there fucking shit. So, I... It's just my personal feeling. I don't know. I, I have a, a faith in the science and physics of what we do, you know, and it's that's kind of back to, like, the skiboarding versus skiing argument. Like, skiboards are just like, oh, how can I go down a hill that's got a bunch of loose snow that just fell and, you know, just try to not fall on my face? Okay, well, let's have the shortest skis possible, and i got to lean back super hard, like – it's like it's only good on groomed snow, and it's like the you know the other skis have like this turning radius shit and all this other stuff, and and it's kind of like that same difference, you know. Like I, I don't know, like you can't fight the physics of what you're doing, you know. Like I did a DVD for Andy Wagner's um, scooter shoe company. It's called Elites, and uh, they did this video, and I I put the video onto DVD for them. That kid Philip Long did the video. And it was pretty good, you know. He's got it's a solid, clean video, you know. I, I really the music was okay, but whatever. But anyway, this guy Dick Short, who's like their main dude, he he like takes scootering to a whole different level, dude. Like he does like, you know, guys know what the El Toro set is. Yeah. Yeah. He fucking does like a double whip type thing or whatever. I don't know if it's like a flip and just stomps that shit like twenty stairs, like just <laughs> wow. And it looks like it hurts so much. <laughs> Like, it's just so cramped. <laughs> the sound is just, like, horrendous. It's just like, oh, God, ow. You know, like, dude, get that guy some ice. <laughs> but he, they're just so down for it, you know? And It is pretty cool how it's, like, a combination of, of biking tricks and skateboarding. Like, the whips and stuff. Like, it is a cool sport. And there's yeah. a lot of kids that enjoy it. Like, you can't deny that on there they got rollerblade wheels it's like you mix skateboarding biking and rollerblading all together and you get a scooter yeah. <laughs> realization a while ago but I, I, you know it's popular it's definitely got its fad element to it and it will definitely have a similar market effect like rollerblading it's going to get to a peak then it's going to come back down and then you know the people will pull out the Andy Wagner types will pull out and uh, you know they'll move on to whatever's more popular, you know, and that's just the cycle of it all. And that's why rollerblading is different, is because you know you can have a company with an investor and or like a a partner like Andy, and he provides an awesome service and and he does great stuff. Or you can, you know, or like John's, um, you know, Volo and Rosies, you know, they have an awesome relationship, and John just is killing it, you know. And uh, I think. There's other companies like, you know, Adapt is really the only one that comes to mind right now because he's just doing it himself. You know what I mean? And like that right there, that's the future. You know what I mean? Like one dude, 
he runs it. He makes the decisions, you know, like yeah. he's the integrity of the company, you know, and it's, it's kind of like daily bread, you know, and Angie, like, you know, people can say what they will about Angie. I mean, fuck, she called the cops on me and tried to have me arrested and shit, but you know, I deserved it, you know, <laughs> it, oh, was, shit. <laughs> it was some money shit, you know, like she owed me money and I tried to keep her camera and that was not cool. And I feel kind of like, I don't know, my mom was kind of gassing me up a little bit, which she probably shouldn't have been, and I, I don't know, I uh, was really angry, and so I made a rash decision, but then she called the local sector, and then they came to my house, and all this shit, but I mean, you know, and the whole, the whole like, one magazine deal, you know, like, those guys are my friends, you know, and, and like, I mean, I don't really get along with Justin Eisinger that well, but I don't know, um... <laughs> is just people that like she is like hardcore and working with her is not easy but at the same time she made daily bread what it was you know and like sure art had a lot to do with that just darren forth donnie downhow like i mean they had everything to do with that you know but at the same time it was her persistence and her you know just ruthless ruthless persistence that just kept daily bread going and kept the paper quality high. And I mean, even I, I was giving her shit on Facebook, like, you know, Angie, we could have done more, you know, we could have, we could have, you know, gone with lighter weight paper and, and, you know, we could have done this and we could have done that. And, you know, no, no, we need to have high weight paper because we're going to get skateboarding and they have the high weight paper and we can't have the, and she just like, you're right. Fuck. More. I don't know. It's like when you're there and you factor, I mean, your guys' whole thing with Angie set off a shit storm, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, Justin took it wrong at first and, and then, you know, uh, Wes addressed it and that was good. Wes is my, Wes is a good friend of mine. And, but yeah, I mean, daily bread is, is rollerblading, man. I mean, it's undeniable. I mean, it, you guys know. I mean, you're part of the generation of Daily Bread. I mean, it's something that I think really just made the sport, kind of started this movement that really what rollerblading is now. Like, it was kind of like, sure, Daily Bread was different. It was corporate, kind of not, not corporate, but in the sense that we had, like, you know, all this information in there that wasn't super core like we would now like now if we did daily bread it would probably be a lot more abstract i think and it would be a lot more it would be a lot less uh timed or time sensitive information you know what i mean like because now it's like you go online and and you can see everything who won what contest or what who's moving to what team or it's kind of pointless to have that in a magazine now and uh, I think, uh, like, watching bodyboarding magazines, they've kind of taken things into a different level where they're just creating these really thick, really high-quality, like, $10 magazines. And they're selling them directly to the shops and directly to the people, but they're not really mass distributing them. And some of them are, but it's pretty small. I mean, like, in the States, I mean, there's, there's like, three or four big magazines, and they're all in Australia. And uh, basically... People are just, they're buying them, you know? And uh, I think that that's something rollerblading needs. Like, one is pretty good, but it doesn't quite encompass that oneness. Like, it kind of does, but, like, it's a little too safe, I think, 
And uh, yeah, I, I don't. What do you guys think? I, I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I said that once in like a I commented in some interview thing about kind of the exact same thing. It it, it kind of lacks the the rawness and the the diversity that people like my age kind of know of rollerblading. Um, and I love that idea of something more abstract. It just um, like Arlo did this zine and I still have one and you guys would probably eat it up. I need to, uh, I don't know if you've seen it. Skater with a uh, Rawlinson's face on the cover or whatever. Too, that was a good one, but that was just trying to kind of make a shitty magazine, the new magazine. And that was a failed effort there, but it was fun while it lasted. No, this one Arlo made just for fun, and it was called Rolling uh, the Niggazine. <laughs> <laughs> and the cover was Champion Bob Stimler in downtown Paris standing in the middle of the street holding a basketball and a, and a bottle of champagne and basketball shorts. Really random, dude, but the whole thing was just so edgy and so fun. It just, like, had an impact on me. And I, I think those little zine things like the Radvocate, you guys heard of the Radvocate? Yeah. Yeah. Like like those that that type of thing. Like I think there needs to be a mesh between that and and like one magazine, you know, because the clean the clean like large photos printed and like I love that. Like I think you know, fuck putting them in a box, fuck having any white or black or anything else. Just put the photo full bleed and just like deal with it, you know. Put a little caption at the corner and let the skating speak for itself. Like I'm really like all about that, you know, just having raw skating like maybe a little color correction or something, but just like huge photos. And then just like really inspiring, like Hunter S Thompson esque dialogue and, and, and text and, and, you know, like blurbs and like, you know, poobah type things where people are on their soapbox and just saying stuff or interviews or, you know, I mean, just all kinds of stuff, you know, I mean, you guys have some pretty diverse interests, you know? And I think, uh, the talking points on some of your podcasts are hilarious. And I, you guys crack me up where you, you, know, you take a tangent and you go off on it. I think it's hilarious. I really enjoyed the dirty thing too, man. Last Dowling, like he's a good friend of mine. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I was actually kind of pissed though, because the MP3 was incomplete. So I got to the point where you guys are about to read my quote and then it cuts out and I'm like, what the fuck? So I'm like going on <laughs> trying to like figure it out. But I guess it was just, I had to download the iTunes one and then it would, play but the mp3 was cut off but yeah dirty that guy i've had some intense im sessions with him on facebook and uh me and him uh are the same in a lot of respects like we we think alike and uh we kind of have a similar vision for rollerblading i was stoked when you guys had him on for sure oh, fuck. he's amazing yeah i love that dude <laughs> but yeah I mean, there's a lot of people like that who you wouldn't really expect i mean Kevin Dowling was, you know, a sick skater, but he wasn't like, you know, the the hot item, you know what I mean? But his impact is is a lot bigger than people who just visually saw the industry from the outside would realize because you know, like like the whole jail story and shit. It's like he he just like is a character and like he's like all those people with all those crazy stories like which like Andy Cruz, how he used to like randomly pee on people. Like it was just like really weird. And like, he, it, you know, he took a shit on a skateboard one time at, at, in public and it was just like <laughs> weird stuff, dude. Like, I don't know that, that kind of fringe stuff. That's why I was saying like Bellino and Montre, like they're just such raw individuals. Yeah, and that's the kind of stuff that needs to be captured in the magazines. And, it, and not exploited, you know, because that's what it's like, 
you know, it, it gets fake. It's like, it needs to be raw and real and, and not, you know, like just not thought about too much, you know, just, I think, you know, those guys just, it's just, they're oozing with that shit. Like Dominic Sagona, like I was just talking about this with Roadhouse. Uh, Randy Spicer, if you don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I'm not kidding. He was just saying, like, oh, uh, you know, Dominic Sagona, dude, he's like, and, you know, Randy talks all fast. He's like, Dominic Sagona, dude, oh, dude, he's like, this, this shit, man. I can just watch him roll down the street and just, like, spin around and just, like, eat over and just, like, oh, shit, dude, you know what I'm talking about? You know, and Randy, leave it. <laughs> I mean, hey, dude, like, Dominic, like, I did this video. Um, I can't remember what section it was in, but it was up at Billy Prislin's house, and we were filming for this uh, Solomon video and Dominic went with me and he did this like ground shuffle thing. It was really weird. It was like he soul grinded the ground. I can't remember what video it was in. Like he spins around and his feet are totally sideways off the wheels and he comes back around faking and like, it's just like, what the fuck did he just Oh do? yeah. What is that in? He's wearing like a striped shirt. I think it's in one of my web edits. I, I got to figure it out. But I mean, if you can remember what that is, you should try and uh, post it in the comments or something or so people can find it. That, that like, kind of stuff, like kind of rollerblading that needs to like just, I mean, you guys like the crazy mushroom shit. I mean, it's obvious, but I think like Latimer and like, like Sagona, those guys, like they have this crazy, like, wealth of knowledge of blading that they've tapped into that's like they look at things so differently and they find things and they they find like little like feelings like those awesome feelings when you do something you're like man that felt fucking amazing like they find that in the weirdest places and yet it looks so sick and so like you pump but at the same time it's like you know like a ballerina type like grace and you're just like what how is this possible? Like this guy's just oozing this shit, you know? And, and that's the kind of stuff that really gets me going, man. I gotta, I gotta say like Dominic, uh, Weber, uh, Latimer. Yeah. Those three guys has top three for sure. Right there. Um, Ledoux's taken some of that. Uh, Matthew Ledoux has taken some of that grace into his skating as well. I've... Yeah. I sent that guy some messages like just saying, Hey man, you're, you're fucking amazing. Like seriously. And he's doing shit. Like he's, like being a bastard for that, you know, like he's super Mr. Parkour guy and, and he's promoting blading through that. And I think that that's exactly like what I'm talking about, you know, like you, how can you work blading in there? You know, like just do it, like uh, get it in there somehow, you know, even if it's just like, like I have like a lot of followers on my Facebook and my Twitter and, and stuff. And I don't really use Twitter very often, but yeah, they follow my shit and, and, it's all dirt bike guys and it's all bodyboarders and it's all rollerbladers and it's all just my random friends. And so they're all seeing all the posts I do, you know? And, and so all those dirt bike guys will, you know, log into their shit and they're going to see my video. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, I think stuff like that, getting outside eyes and like how Tyler Shields is kind of uh, that's a good friend of mine too. Tyler, he's old school. OG and he's like Mr. Hollywood now, you know, and he's like dating like Clint Eastwood's daughter or something. And so he's like all over the place and, you know, people are searching his name and I'm, I'm sure there's rollerblading that pops up, you know, so like he's doing his part, you know, you got like Brian Smith who, you know, now he's known as Brian Bowen Smith. Um, 
he he's just like shooting like Vanity Fair covers and shit like that. I mean, I don't know if you know how successful he is, but he is like crazy successful. Like he was posting pictures. His wife posted a picture of his son on vacation, and like it's with Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, and they're like, "Are you now?" Like, okay, all right of the food chain like no problem but yeah like those kind of dudes like and and brian's into riding dirt bikes now and he actually hurt himself bad broke a bunch of bones but he he's okay now and i'm gonna go riding with him uh as soon as we can work something out we're both pretty busy but uh you know michael pallock um some guy that you know that dude is just i mean i think he rode his motorcycle to ohio right now from utah and uh, he's just, like, been working in Utah at a bar, and he's just, like, a salt-of-the-earth guy, man, you know? Like, when I, when I got clips of, from him, I got super pumped for that OG edit, and, like, him and Tori Tresser, like, those those two dudes are, like, they kind of, like, are, like, the epitome of OG, like, to me. Like, I look at them, and they're, like, so, have so come into their own thing, like, they're just so down for rollerblading and so kind of old school and like bluesy and, and, and just raw and grown up, you know, at the same time, you know, they're just bladers and that's kind of something that's never really been synonymous. And so to me, that feels good. And that's kind of like back to the older blading definition thing. It's like, this is a different kind of skating we're talking about here. You know what I mean? It's not like we're going to go out there and one up every edit that's been done. You know, we're going to go out there and we're going to make it feel better. You know, we're going to go out there and make it, it might not look like it, but it felt like it. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what the older generation is about is, is just style, feeling, and and just, yeah, that shit, man. You know, like when you see TJ Weber do a Bio 540 or like a Royale, you know, 270 out or something, and it just, oh, you know, that feeling, you just know it feels good, you know, and I think that's that's what all these kids are hyped on. All these new, like the Montres and the Bellinos, and you know. And I gotta say, man, you know, it's kind of a sore subject because of the beef that surrounds it with a lot of my San Diego friends and even my cousin. But uh, I gotta give Shima his props, man, like because he is seriously doing really good, and I really like everything he's doing right now. And uh, he just gave. Um, Henrik Harliet and Phil Castlephone and Tanner Hall. I'm not sure if he gave Tanner Hall skis, but or skates, but I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the recent edit that they posted, but it's uh, those guys are basically the Armada ski pros, which are like majorly influential skiers. Like they're like the cutting edge of street like style skiing and park skiing, and they've got just hundreds of thousands of kids' eyes and 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 ears just totally following them and. And then their new edit, they've got this guy, Henrik, and he's just hitting blades. He's on Shima's uh, Moreno's, and he's just doing shit into the foam pit. And they got a, a clip of Shima in there, too. And so it's like that video will probably do triple digits, you know? And all those skier kids are all going to see rollerblading, and they're all going to see it in a positive light, you know, by the guys that they look up to. And that I think that could be, you know, that could be huge, because that's like those guys that actually get on blades, look sick, and have time and potentially be hooked like they are on skiing and so like that's a, that's a meaningful thing for me but uh you know i i just i you know i'm friends with john elliott and and my cousin Corey is like fiercely um 
Yeah, Corey Casey. I don't know if you guys knew he's my cousin, but uh, no. Yeah, uh, he's like seriously. He's like my little brother, dude. Like, like I have a older sister, and I have two older half brothers. But my older sister's like four years older than me, you know, so it's a little too old. And Corey is like a year younger than me, and our mothers are really close. So like we're just basically hanging out all the time, like every weekend and shit. So he's like my little brother, and that's crazy. Yeah, but anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, he's got a little problem with Shima, you know, and and John's got a problem with Shima, and, or I don't know if he's got a problem, but he's got, you know, they've got a past. They've got the whole Nim breakup was pretty bad, but uh, yeah, you know, I try, I, I see what Shima's doing, and and you know, I gotta give it to him, man. He he's killing it, and I gotta support him, you know, and like that latest edit he did with Colin and that that red camera, like I, I don't. Can't think of the guy's name who filmed it, but the thing says "Look, Mono Fisheye." You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the Dustin Rasick is his name, or something like that. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it really highlighted uh, something that you did really well in respect. It really highlighted the nuances of style in skating. But just everything, like, like that dude. I got to go back to your question. Like, what editors are really doing shit? That dude, the, whoever filmed that and whoever edited that, they're doing it perfect. Like that was perfect. Like I, I would not say do any the music choice, those prop shots, like the the zero spin rocket shifty was just like what, like that crop shot from the side angle was just so epic, like everything was perfect, like yeah, beautiful. It was, it really was. The epic camera, right, or maybe a Scarlet, I don't know. It was a one of the Sony Nex ones. I don't know what model, but it's probably um, yeah, I did. Um, I just want to, I want to like see that happen more, you know? And like, I see like, you know, a lot of people doing it and, and, and like when they're good, but it's like, they need to be that good. You know what I mean? Like it needs to be like, I'm not going to do this shit unless it's fucking dope, you know? And like, sometimes it'll work, you know? But if you're like, I don't know, like they probably did that in one afternoon at the skate park and look how good it is. I mean, they got a really sick skater in those dudes like Colin and the other guy. But, uh, I mean, I can't say enough about that edit. Like, the cropped alley top acid, the fish brain, you know, like, just so styly and so just, like, I showed it to a lot of my friends, like, check this out, dude. This is rollerblading right here. You know, like, this is a good representation of rollerblading. Because my friends ask me, like, what what is good rollerblading? You know, and I'll show them videos, but it's hard to give somebody, like, a finger on the pulse of, modern rollerblading because in its in its whole diverse spectrum you know because it's so sick and it's hard to just explain that to somebody you know or show it to them in one video you know i've been kind of forever <laughs> that's kind of like amazing respect, respect was trying to be that but respect was kind of like my crescendo i think it was kind of like i put so much work into that video and it's so long it's like an hour long i forgot to put robert leavanos section in there and he thought it was on purpose and oh my goodness <laughs> shit <laughs> no <laughs> respect <laughs> that was a good video it was like highlights from all of your videos and the way that you used slow motion in that was amazing the music was all skater produced that was the hard wow. part yeah. yeah. So it was like me and uh, Dre Powell and his buddy Nate and this dude Nate I, I, Nate Adams. Yeah. His that 
super talented. I'm sure he's probably signed to some label now producing beats. And then uh, Dominic made a couple tunes, I think. Um, Joe Navron made a tune. You know, all those guys. But, yeah, that was, like, something that, you know, we didn't pirate any music. Everything was licensed. Everything was, was ours. Like, that was a rollerblading production from the ground up that was created out of rollerblading minds. And so, like, that was something I was really proud of. Not necessarily for the overall format. I thought it was a bit like a video that was meant to be taken in short intervals as opposed to watching all the way through like a cinematic experience, which is kind of like what most of my other videos were. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think for what it is, it's like one of those ones I can hang, like hang a flag on like this one, like was a considerable success, even though it really, I lost money on it, you know? So, but yeah. And then concentration to that, that video, like, I have it on my Vimeo too, and, and it's the the full thing. I think I'm missing some of the credits, or I took the credits out because it had some girl shots in there. I really didn't want to have on my Vimeo account because I didn't know who the girl was in the shot. <laughs> but uh, anyways, yeah, um, that video was a real like deep digger. Like like that one was like significant thought and emotion went into that one for sure. Like the, you, the soundtrack, you can kind of tell like Tristan Feeney and his cousin, Marlon Geller, who in their own right, both are just fucking unbelievable tech ledge skaters. I mean, those guys, I mean, even rails too. I mean, I mean, you guys know Tristan Feeney stuff and, and Marlon, his cousin, who was kind of in the older Brian Bell videos. Um, I mean, they just did crazy shit, you know, like misfits and like, you know, just torques and like all kinds of tech shit, like way too easy and comboing it all. And like back was, I mean, they were just, everybody jocked them. Like they were tight, but Marlon lost interest and Tristan still is skating and he's, he's working a lot, but uh, he was just down here mixing for the OG reunion. I want to say thank thanks to him too, because he brought his turntables and he mixed for like three hours which is not easy, you know, and uh, got to give him props for that. But, yeah, I mean, he just, like, you know, super tech dude, super ill, like, you know, style, but just a, just like a calm killer. I kind of lost my train of thought there. What was I saying before that? Concentration. Oh, yeah. They made the soundtrack. And it wasn't like we didn't really license the music on that one because we didn't really know who the artists were. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was a DJ mix, and we kind of we got away with it because it was a DJ mix, and we kind of licensed it that way. Like, okay, yeah, it's a uh, we licensed the DJs, so yeah. <laughs> but I, I did the there was an intro, and that was a, a crust song. This is a crazy UK DJ, it's a weird drum and bass thing, and then uh, yeah. And then and then they mix that all together and they put those samples in and then we use that the crow song by uh, DJ Food for Dominic and Abdul and it's just like one of the moodiest slowest weirdest little tunes and uh, at first we were just like I don't know man this is pretty slow but I was just like the footage like looks like so good when it's played at like thirty percent I was like we gotta do this you know so. And it turned out to be a legendary section in terms of like highlighting how crazy of movements you can do that 
how good human movement can look on skates, in my opinion, with that section. Dominic's fish brain to true fish brain, like, <laughs> it's just fucking retarded. Like, that, uh, and it's right on beat, like, boom, boom, boom. Like, it's just like that, I watched it probably a hundred times. Like, <laughs> That's amazing. Like, you can't go wrong with that kind of clip. Like, I mean, you can, but it just works no matter what, like no matter where you put it, like it's just so good. Like, and that's just like a testament to his, you know, ability. And Dominic really, the whole forest fire section we did, like that spawned from the true spin Soyal photo, or maybe it was just the Soyal. BK took it. And it was on the square rail and it was super high and it was down a handicap ramp. And he had, big baggy black jeans on and he had the black USDs and he had a red second regime shirt on, I think. And he was doing a soy owl right foot and he was looking under his <laughs> The window. Yeah, like like his you know, his right arm was held up and he was looking under his arm, looking where he was going. Just the way that his legs were torqued out, like that right there, I was just like, I'm doing a section with this guy right here. Like, this guy's too sick. Like, and then when I saw the video of that, I was just like, oh, shit. You know, like, thing, like, was just so sick. I was like, this kid is going places. And his parents were really resistant, man. His dad was like, you know, he was being a good father, you know. He wanted his boy to be successful, you know. He didn't want his boy to waste his life on some shit. And he, you know, back then, you, you didn't know, you know, I mean... It was like one in a hundred or one in 300 or a thousand or whatever that you're going to make it doing that shit. You know, you're going to live your dream, but yeah, fucking we picked him up hundreds of times. We just, we hit it hard and he put in every scrap of effort he could, man. And, uh, yeah, me and him living together though. Like right when I started working, um, I was living in Escondido again. I had been living in downtown with Santiago and then he moved out, and then Carlos Banez from um, who was our director for Daily Bread for a while, he he lived with me from Ecuador, but then he couldn't get a visa, so he left. And then Murda been with me, and uh, and then we we moved out of that place and we went to Esco, and it was me and Mike Johnson and Robert Lovanos, Dominic, and Brent, and I started working, and things got really tense once I started working because. I mean, I was kind of moody already, but, like, when I started waking up at 6 in the morning and driving in traffic and doing all this shit, I, things really got crazy. And, like, Mike would still have parties at, like, Tuesday at, like, 2 in the morning, you know, and, like, <laughs> tense, man. And Dominic always was just producing music and always wanted to play his music. So, like, there was, like, you know, it was tension, man. Moving out of that house was, was a good thing. Yeah, I put a hole in the wall once there. It's because Mike would be bumping his shit and we shared a wall. So, yeah, that's the kind of frustration we had. But, I mean, it was crazy, man. It was like, you know, Razor's time, you know, the, like closer time. You know, it was murder. You know, it was just uh, the La Paloma Theater and, and big parties and Andy's house. And, you know, it was crazy times. But, uh, yeah, bills weren't paid. and I had to grow up. Damn. <laughs> and, and like sidelines for a little, and I had to kind of teach myself a lesson. I had to 
go and break into a new industry or two and just kind of see what they're all about see if, you know, rollerblading was unique, you know, and it is, you know, yeah. it's like a lot of the things that I've learned is, is that, you know, our industry is different from everyone's, you know, and we have to hold on to that and, you know, try and be successful, but keep, keep the core values that, that make it sick right now, you know, and hold on to that shit fiercely like Angie Walton, you know, like, to the point of kicking and screaming and, and just, you know, going into bankruptcy and, you know, like, that's just like, you got to do it, man. You know, like that's life. And what are you going to do otherwise? Like, you going to be safe, you know? Like, I don't know if you guys have seen the, the ice tea video going around. Ice tea, no. on, ice tea on fuck it. <laughs> on fuck it. Yeah. Have you seen that? No. If you use Ice-T on fuck it, and he just, like, quotes fuck it, you know, and he's just talking about, you know, basically people like us. And, uh, you know, he just basically says there's no reward for being safe, you know. No one's going to know your name if you're safe, you know. You're not you're not going to live if you're safe, you know. It's like and, – and it's the same shit. It's like, you know, we are, might be just pioneers of this small little sport that most people, you know, make a joke about, but – I mean, being the pioneer of something is, you know, that's something that not everybody can hang their hat on. You know what I mean? Like, I can say that I was a part of a sport when it was born, and I, I shaped it and molded it, you know, and that, like, I think that everyone can do that, you know? And Boom. I, that's I, the I, end. No <laughs> more. Yeah, we're running on here long, huh? No, but that was the perfect ending right there. You don't need to go any longer than that. Right. Because I feel like we've gone for a while here, but well, I mean, we hit the we hit the perfect mark, two and a half. <laughs> this All was right. fucking awesome. This was, Bo. I'm way too stoked on rollerblading now, thanks to this camera. I was before, but this might be one of those nights where I can't sleep because well, too much positivity. I, I spread the gospel in a good way because I mean, I'm just like rambling on. I feel like you know, and that's just like I'm just letting the the shit fly without the filter and. You know, I, I don't know. I've always kind of, you know, they say like still waters run deep. And, and if, if you're not like, if I don't know you, chances are I'm probably not the dude to come up and introduce myself to you per se. But if you get to know me and start talking to me, I kind of tend to, you know, just let it let it fly. And that's, I mean, you've seen that quote I, I wrote, you know, I, I'm a, it's tough love, but love, you know, and I think. You know, just like myself, everyone needs a good kick in the ass, and and we can never be too tough on ourselves. You know, and I think everyone needs to be real tough on themselves right now, and we all got to suck up our personal shit and come together and and say fuck the differences, dude, because we're all working towards something that's going to benefit everybody and it's going to make people grow up and and get the chills like. Thinking about, you know, being in a bar, listening to that jazz tune with John Julio and all those guys and just feeling like, holy shit, I'm so lucky to be alive, you know? And that's what it's all about right there. So, yeah, let's fucking do it. We'll, we'll cut, cut it at that. But, hey, let me just, I want to end in saying, uh, you, you know, thanks to everybody who came out to the OG reunion because that shit was like a ridiculous success. Like, and when you guys do the edit, I think uh, hopefully we captured enough footage. There was just so much going on. It was hard to try and catch everything. We had several cameras going, and hopefully we got it. But uh, 
I'm going to do my best with that. I'm sure you guys will like it, but yeah, we just all got to, you know, support the people that are doing stuff, you know, like the guys with WRS, you know, like sure. We, we might have our comments about whatever, but they're doing something and, and they're trying to unite everybody and we got to get behind it. You know, like John Julio with his blading cup, you know, he's really, you know, he's doing things behind the scenes and, and, you know, like I'm not at liberty to say anything, but I, you know, it, I think that, Blading Cup is only going to be better than it was last year, and it's going to be more covered, and it's going to be more promoted, and it's going to be, you know, just something that rollerbladers can be proud of and that they're going to want to be a part of. So if you can, you know, early November, you know, make your way to Santa Ana and, and you know, come support, be part of the crowd and cheer on your guys and, you know, have a few drinks and have dinner with the guys, come to the after party. You know, I'm sure there'll be one. You know, last time we had – beers on site, which we probably won't this time because the cops kicked us out at the end of it. But, you know, you live and you learn. We got away with it the first time. So, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that that's huge. And, and, and that's what rollerblading needs, you know, to, to show the world that we're still here. We need a world championship and we need, we need somebody that we, you know, we don't really care. I mean, we've never really cared about competition results, but we care about how the outside world perspective like views us we do and i think that you know it's important that we're proud of that you know and i think that we can't be proud of it unless we put everything we can into it so yeah that's it i'm gonna stop rambling on now <laughs> thank you so much bo yeah thank you bo. for rambling that was incredible yeah it was really everything you guys do and and uh yeah i look forward to every podcast you guys do for sure i think they're awesome so awesome well all right, man. Um, that was uh, How to Be Unpopular with Bo Coddington. Thank you so much, Bo. And we look forward to everything that you're going to do in the future, too. Coddington.com. Yeah. What.com? Bocoddington.com. Go Same check out Bocoddington.com. Word. All right. All right. Peace out, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye. Peace. Hey. <laughs>